Yo, what up, world? It's your boy Quan, and this is Wrestling with the Homies, your favorite podcast. As always, I'm joined by my good friend Jay Cooley. Peace, peace, peace. And my boy doing some type of weird dance on the bottom of the screen, Sylvan LeCue. Hey, man. I'm celebrating. <laughs> Bro, what was that? What are we celebrating? What are we celebrating, man? What is this dance you're know, doing, man. You bro? You tell me, Quan. You, I'm. You know, you tell me. You tell me. What Sylvan I'm came in here to gloat. Quan, you know Sylvan I mean? came in here to gloat, and I know why he came in here to gloat. But you know, before we get all, into all that, today's a little bit different. Today we got a friend of the show on on the, on this episode. We got a special guest, our boy Biggie. Our boy Biggie sat down with us, and he's, he he he's gonna join us. For this interview, usually this would be the part of the show when me and Sylvan would scream at each other for 30 minutes. But this week, we got a special guest, friend of the show, former WWE champion, former tag team champion, the meatiest man of them all, Big E. What up, Big E? <laughs> Not too much, man. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for having us, my brother. Us, my Yo, brother. my guy E. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good. Things are, things are good. Can't complain. Life's good. Man, first and foremost, thank you so much for being on Wrestling with the Homies. You are for anybody that's watching, this is look, this is a special guest, yes, but this is definitely the homie, man. And um, you know, I just want to say thank you again, bro, for being here. It it really does mean a lot to us for sure. Nah, my pleasure, man, for real. Yeah, so I know we met we met like on like some completely different tip. Like we were like it was like rap, like completely rap. And I know we were introduced to each other by, was it Emilio? I think it was Emilio. Was yeah, it, Emilio? it was Emilio Sparks. Yep. Emilio Sparks? Yeah. So Emilio put you on to Far From Familiar. And then we started talking via DMs, just kind of on like some life tip. This was like back 2016. And um, man, I just, I couldn't believe, you know, I was, I was a huge wrestling buff, but I couldn't believe that you gravitated to my music like that at all so it just it's so crazy to see like how much we had in common and you know fast forward to like us working together um just on so many different things it just it's just really cool to to be able to like build a friendship with someone like you man and um i wanted to talk about that a little bit because the reason i got into into wrestling besides being a kid right like obviously is that I also realized how much it mirrored rap, right? right? Like it was very much kind of like, oh, this is kind of the same thing, right? And um, us bonding over rap music as much as we did, like I wanted to get your, or as much as we do, I wanted to get like your opinion on how much do you feel like rap and and wrestling is very much linked or interconnected or very much the same because this is like you know i got the rap book right here and the intercontinental championship right, right here so it's like two peas in a pod to me so you being such a huge fan like how do how do those things like link up for you and do you feel like there's a lot of synergy oh for sure man no question i always felt like the two paralleled each other so often and i also realized i would listen to so many of my favorite rappers would drop wrestling references in their music. And and some of them would have old school references. Some of them would like clearly be watching the product today. They'd have new stuff too. And then I think too about the locker room and so many of us are listening to hip hop. And to me, it just felt like, thankfully, like I feel like the business is now getting to a point now where you see Rick Ross on, on TV doing things with wrestlers. You see uh, Wale uh, emceeing a rap battle. So now we're getting there. But for the longest time, I kept thinking like, man, why are we doing more to bridge this gap? You know, especially in our company, oftentimes we would bring in acts, but we're not, I don't want to say any names, but if you know some of the acts they were booking a few years ago, 
it's like, man, they were hot like 15 years ago. Let's let's get up to up to the times now. But I also think like with the, the commonalities between rap and wrestling, to me, it's all about getting your persona across like in, in hip hop. You have guys who really aren't as concerned with personality and they can wrap their ass off. But then you just kind of you're just in that lane. Same thing with wrestling. You have guys who aren't really concerned with the pomp and the circumstances and the gimmick and cutting a promo. And they're just wrestlers. But that also that puts you in a certain box that doesn't allow you to get to that next level to cross over. So I always feel like much like in hip hop, it's about when you have the gimmick, the persona, the personality and you can spit. That makes a complete artist. Also in wrestling, when you have the gimmick and you can go in ring, that also makes a complete performer. So between that, between just the similar lifestyles of trying to, you know, kind of like the way we go in the lab and, and think about our promos and think about the way we want to structure things, to me, reminded me so much of like how a lot of uh, artists approach their craft as well. So it just felt like to me, it, it just blended so naturally. And I saw so much of pro wrestling in hip hop and vice versa. So it's been beautiful to see more of that gap being bridged lately. But yeah, man, just as a, as a hip hop head and as a fan, it's been so cool to see that uh, wrestling is starting to be more accepting of hip hop. And then seeing just the amount of, you know, seeing West Side Gun just always has, mm -hmm. hip, you know, wrestling references in his music. So many artists do. That's like I became friends with Wale. Uh, because of that as well, because he was clearly a huge wrestling fan. So it's just uh, I love seeing that connection between hip hop and wrestling. You see what he's done with Wale Mania. You see West Side Gun uh, yeah. fronts, you know, uh, in the front row all the time. So I love that these two are kind of like starting to really merge in so many ways. Yeah, man, I, I, I've i always felt the exact same way. And like seeing seeing all these guys truly embrace it, especially in like the hip hop community. It's just really reassuring, and I really hope that there's just more of that from the wrestling community as well, because that marriage to me is just so synergetic. And um, I wanted to kind of like deviate, not really deviate, but kind of like build upon that because you've also had your hands in a lot of like passion projects over the past of over the past two years. And the one I wanted to speak most about is Our Heroes Rock because it feels like you're going. It feels like you're going into the space of hip hop and also tying it. Obviously, it's, it's tying back to you because you are who you are. But speaking on black history and also being able to bring, you know, rappers uh, for children as well. Like I wanted you to speak a lot more on black. Um, sorry, our heroes rock and what that journey has been like since 2021 when you made the announcement for the project and how it's been going. Yeah, down. man. Thank you for bringing that up. That has been for us a real labor of love. And when I say us, it's my partners, uh, Jonathan Davenport, who's actually designed our wrestling gear. So anything you've seen the new day in from 2015 on, like that's all Jonathan Davenport who's designed that and Andreas Hale. And you know, for, for us, like Andreas. that's, that's, that's the homie too. Uh, so for us, it really was, so it all started really with, with the pandemic and George Floyd. And I feel like, you know, so many of us, I was just having all these conversations, these heartfelt, emotional conversations with black men. And we were all just, I think too, also because the world stopped, it kind of forced us to sit with our feelings. You know, typically uh, if I was on the road, if it wasn't a pandemic, you know, it's something horrible happens like George Floyd, but then you're on a flight the next day or you're, you have to make the next town. Yeah. So you have these distractions and you're not really sitting in those feelings. But because everything came to a halt, it felt like there was no escape. So, you know, I was you know, I was thinking back to when I got pulled over in college uh, because someone said that one of my teammates had a gun in the car, which was false. And we had, you know, cops essentially. I don't know where they came, but like almost like literally out of the bushes 
pointing guns at us. And I would have all these other conversations with young black men who had no criminal record, who never gotten anything, who had bad run-ins with the law. And, you know, so we're just all sitting with these emotions and this frustration. And, uh, you know, for a while I felt like, man, I wanted to do more to give back, to use my platform to give back, but I couldn't really find the thing. You know, I'd done some things like uh, when WrestleMania was here in Tampa, I raised some money um, to give to uh, a local food bank, but I kept, I felt like I had to do more. And finally, you know, uh, I thought I sat and I was thinking, you know, I had so many of my non-black friends reach out and ask, okay, how can I do more? What can I learn? Like they wanted to help. And uh, you know what? I thought, you know what? I can't really control the storylines in wrestling. I can't control all those things. But what I can control is my gear, the things I wear. So I sat down with, with uh, Johnny and my gear designer. And I said, what if we did something akin to Schoolhouse Rock, but for black historical figures? And so that was really the origin, the origin of that idea. And Andreas came along after the end of that run and said, you know what, this needs to be more. So we eventually put our heads together and we decided to have this Kickstarter. We raised money through WrestleMania. And, you know, we got so much love and support to raise 130 grand. And uh, we started working on this film that is now finished. We absolutely are in love with it. Uh, it's going to have its world premiere at uh, Urban World in New York City the first week of November. We're really excited about that. But uh, to get an original song from Rhapsody, who just killed it, uh, we're covering the story of Ruby Bridges. So we're using hip hop, we're using sci-fi, 3D animation to tell the story of Ruby Bridges. And uh, you know, I had so many people when I was wearing the gear. I had people backstage. Some of them were in their twenties. Some of their some of them were in their fifties. And they could tell me the schoolhouse rock jingle, you know, the one that uh, how a bill becomes a law. And it's what like that. And that series is so old, man. It's so old. But yet I I just love the way that music can just burrow its way into your brain and you have this jingle and now you're remembering something. So I thought, man, what if we can do that for our black historical figures that people, especially in my state of Florida, are trying to erase the history of, especially, you know, people who aren't, uh, you know, they're not getting their due, man. And to me, if we forget our history, if we forget the people who came before us, the people like Ruby Bridges, who, man, this is a six-year-old girl in 1960 who was just, you know, she had to go to school. That's all she, like, all, think about being six years old and you're just going to school and you have a ton of people, some of them with black dolls being, uh, you know, in, in fake caskets, like ha- essentially hanging her in effigy, people yelling things, just, just, just a little girl trying to go to school. And to me, if you can't have empathy for that, if you can't understand that situation, how wrong this is, something deeply wrong with you. So uh, we just thought her story was one to really be celebrated, one to be told. And not just, you know, I think so much of our media and black media, of course, like we as black Americans, our history is fraught with pain. It's fraught with struggle. It's fraught with all these terrible things. But man, we also experience joy. We also create, we also do so many positive things. So for us, we really didn't want it to be, you know, you get so much of what I call trauma porn, and we didn't want that. We wanted to tell the story, which can be difficult, but it's really about celebrating her. It's about, you know, she really is this lesson of bravery, of just going out there, you know, against all the, the odds and as chaotic as life can be, just being brave, just just taking that first step. So uh, we just love her story. And uh, man, I, I think I just have amazing partners. And the way we're able to tell this story, to me, I'm really, really proud of. So that has been the real labor of love. And the goal really is uh, this is a short film and we're treating it as that. But we also we we want this to be more as well. Our hope is to tell more of these stories using the same vehicle um, and make it fun for kids. You know, and we always we use this metaphor of uh, essentially, you know, we think about it as, you know, when you were a kid, 
uh, at least when I was a kid, uh, sometimes when I was younger, my parents, if I was sick or I needed my vitamins, they would take the vitamins, they'd mash them up and they put them in the applesauce. And then you, ha- you eat the applesauce. You don't even really know you have the vitamins and the nutrients along with it. So that's how we see this project as well. We want you to sit down and just be entertained. Like you're sitting down just to eat that applesauce. But little do you know, you're going to walk away with this jingle about Ruby Bridges in your head. You're going to know her story. You're going to know what she went through. And you're going to walk away, hopefully, a better person. Absolutely, man. Man, I really appreciate you expanding on that even more because it's just so important, especially, you know, on the podcast. Like, it's very important for us to make sure that we're touching on these these topics, especially because of the lack of representation of of us in the wrestling community um and the fact that you're doing something incredibly actionable about that um using your platform especially from what you built by being who you are it's just really incredible well thank you man i appreciate that i always thought man so so when i was wrestling uh (laughs) actively wrestling all the time i was i love pushing the envelope pushing the line with nonsense with silliness and i always thought like man if i can come out here and, and push the envelope talking about like llama penises with the rock and all the nonsense that we did. If I can, if I can, you know, let, let me see how far I can go. Let me also, let me use that same courage to do something important. You know what I mean? So as much as I love the nonsense, I also think like, man, for, for me to be in this position and not do something, you know, that benefits our people or at least attempts to uh, just felt like it really would be a huge missed opportunity on my part. So thank you for saying that, man. But I feel in many ways it's uh, it's my responsibility. You know, it's uh, I've had all these opportunities open to me. And, uh, you know, the scripture says uh, to whom much is given, much is required. So it's, I feel like this, it's my duty. It's, it's part of the uh, the responsibility. Absolutely, man. And I kind of wanted to, like, take that more into your passion for kids and your passion, obviously for, for representation in wrestling. I wanted to get more into like who you are as like a, as just a person, but also like the, the, the moments in like wrestling that kind of meant the most to you. Right. So like, we all know you being a part of the new day, like obviously that, you know, first off, you know, best tag team of all time, but obviously like, we know that not only are were you guys appealing to the masses, but like children obviously gravitated towards you guys, right? Yeah. It was just a real thing. And so I wanted to see like before you even got to the new day, right? When you were when you were coming up in wrestling and doing what you had to do, obviously there's a learning curve. Like what was that moment in like coming into that that learning curve where you're like, okay, or like more, you know what? What was that match that was like, oh, you know what? I'm I think I'm actually like really like I'm really good at this. Like I'm really great. Like what do can you recall that match? Can you recall that moment? Um was there a time or was it just like a, a just a, a a journey that you were kind of like, oh, okay, I think I'm I'm getting comfortable every time. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, like for me, I I never feel like I had a Eureka moment. I never feel like I had a moment where I made it or like everything clicked. You know, I can think of certain moments where you know, I I had a certain match and I felt like, man, I killed it. Like, so I had this one match with uh, Seth Rollins um, prior to the New Day. So this is probably 2014. And at the time, I was kind of floundering in my career. I had done the stuff with Dolph, which was amazing. Dolph, right. Then after Dolph, I was moved with AJ. Uh, and I think this was, I think this was before I had the IC title. Um, but anyway, so I was kind of at a lull in my career and I was trying to figure it out. So it's either 2013 or 14. But I had a match on main event and at the time and kind of now like main event is to show it's an opportunity to work. But, you know, it's not on 
national TV. It's not a lot of, but it's an opportunity to go out there. And, you know, they had bigger stars on the show too. So I actually had a match with Seth Rollins. And I remember kind of like, you know, you, you think you, you know what you're doing, but you're not being booked the way that, that you'd imagine. So you, you start to doubt yourself and wonder like, am I as good as I think? Like, can I actually do this? So I had this match with, with Seth. And, you know, Seth's incredible. To me, if you can't have a good match with Seth Rollins, you probably don't deserve to be in the business. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> so we, we have this match, two segments. We go back and forth. And, like, to me, like, it was a damn good match. So I remember feeling good about that. But I get to the back and, uh, you know, uh, Brody, uh, my good friend, rest in peace to, rest to him, peace. Luke Harper, uh, pulled me aside and uh, just said, uh, man, you should be proud of yourself. Like, that was that was a hell of a match. And... At the time, you know, when you have these feelings of doubt and lacking self-confidence, it, uh, you know, th- those moments, by the way, remind me sometimes, like, I, sometimes I'll see people who are doing a good job or impressing me. And oftentimes I would think like, man, they, they know they're killing it. I don't need to say anything. But I realized after that, you know, sometimes it's just a simple word at the right time from the right person that really lifts you up, that puts you right where you need to be. So all the times that I, thought people were dope and kept it to myself. That taught me, nah, man, let people know. Cause you don't really know what people are going through at that time. You don't need, you don't know if they need mm-hmm. a word at that, at that time, if they need a moment of encouragement. So that man, that's, that's almost like a decade ago. And that still sticks with me um, because I was respected Brody. I respected him in the ring. I thought like just a super talented guy and to, to go out there and, and to pull me aside and, uh, you know, we got really close later at the time we were still cool, but we weren't like the best of friends. He didn't owe me anything for him to pull me aside and say that like that gave me the confidence to think, yeah, I belong here. I belong in the ring with the best around. And, uh, you know, I had some a little, you know, ups and downs before getting with the new day again. But then that set me on a path where we were just, you know, it was all uphill from there uh, afterwards. So uh, I will never say I don't think I ever really had a I made I, I made it moment or like, yeah, I'm great at this. But uh, I think that moment really just gave me what I needed to uh, to keep going, keep climbing. Absolutely. And speaking of um, Brody Lee, like speaking into your life and actually telling you things, um, we know this is a journey, right? Mm-hmm. Very much like rap for me. Like there are certain people that came into my life that really gave me a lot of game on how to maneuver or how to how to like approach things. Was there anybody that you feel like you've learned the most from, whether it's from a relationship or just from observing um, in, in your wrestling career that kind of sets you on your trajectory? Because um, we know those like moments just in terms of whether it's just game or just coming to the locker room and like, you know, giving, some, giving a different perspective on how things are going uh, changes a lot in terms of how you like treat your career and maneuver around you. Yeah, of course, man. There, there's I always feel like when you're in the ring with guys who are better than you or more experienced than you or bring something different to the table, you learn from everyone in different ways. Um, but I will say the one person that I will uh you know mention is michael tarver so if you remember michael tarver Tarver. from the nxt days michael tarver throwback for a lot of y'all yes Mm -hmm. uh so tarver always to me so we were in fcw together so i i kind of like when i first first started wrestling he was there and mind you you know nxt's blown up to be this big developmental uh you know program and now it's on national tv everyone knows what it is but at the time in fcw circa 2009 when i got signed we felt like we were on an island the only way to watch fcw tv was you had to live in hillsborough county where tampa was and it was on like local tv like once a week like bare minimum so we we felt very much disconnected in many ways from wwe but anyways 
uh, Tarver, you know, this is probably a year or so into my career. And I was still trying to figure out who I was as a wrestler. Like, what is your persona? Who are you besides just a muscular dude? Like, what, what are you? What, what are you trying to convey when you go out there? And he was the first person we ended up, um, you know, randomly, uh, they, they kind of married us. So we had six consecutive matches. I think one might have been on FCW TV. The rest might have been on house shows. And mind you, we're wrestling like at ABC Auto is this used car lot. So we had like a match outside in a parking lot. Uh, you know, we're at like, you know, VFW halls. It's just, you know, you're just learning your craft. It's very humble. Like you're not, I was making $500 a week at the time, you know, under WWE contract. So it's like, man, it's like, if you really love this, that's the only way you're sticking around because it's not easy. But Tarver and I ended up uh, working six consecutive matches and he was the first person who sat me down. So we would sit in the ring and he, he would just talk to me like, this is how I see you as black Superman. And he just, just in those conversations of how I should carry myself, of, of how I want the audience to connect with me. That was the first time where I started the, like the wheels really started turning on just being more than a guy who put on trunks and went out there. It's like, how do you separate yourself? How do you carry yourself? How do you adapt the way you work? Because not everyone should work the same, just like in rap. Not everyone, you can't just all rap the same or it's all forgettable. Like, how do you stand out? How do you set yourself apart? And for me, I always thought like, man, I'm not, you know, seven feet tall. And there are guys who are bigger than me, but like, what do I bring to the table that's unique? And Tarver, not just, you know, even from an in-ring move perspective, he helped me there, but just from a, a psychology perspective, which in wrestling, they always tell you is the most important, like the way you carry yourself, what your persona is, how you connect with the crowd and, and your move set all revolves around that. Uh, the way your entrance all re- revolves around that. So, uh, I, I always, uh, give a lot of love to Tarver. It's cool. I saw him uh, a couple of years ago, randomly in the gym. Uh, and, uh, I, I always feel like I owe him a lot because at that time that allowed me to take the next step because you really don't know at the time in FCW, man, it's, you're always, it's like, man, I can be fired at any moment. I'm not the son of someone famous. I'm not uh, an indie darling. I could be gone tomorrow. So for me to be able to take that step forward at that time might have been just what it took to get me above the cutting line. You know what I mean? You never, never know when it's your time to be gone because there are moments where I thought like, man, this could be it. So uh, a lot of love for Tarver and I, I thank him dearly for pulling me aside and really giving me game. I got a question for you, Biggie. Incredible, man. I got, that's incredible. incredible. Yes, I got sir. a question because you, you mentioned um, being in Florida Championship Wrestling and not knowing whether, you know, you might be fired the next day. Was it ever difficult being down there knowing that, like, a lot of the guys you were down there with had prior experience in this wrestling thing and you were pretty much a newcomer to it all? Yeah, so it, it was – it's just a lot of uncertainty, man. It's – for me – so I was in grad school at Iowa – and this opportunity kind of came out of nowhere. And I always thought, it, it, in many ways, it kind of felt like I was playing with house money. Like, wrestling, I grew up a fan. But it's not like I sought the job out. It wasn't necessarily my dream. Uh, but when I did the tryout, I had so much fun. And I thought, maybe one day I can be good at this. And I really wanted to be great at it. So there was a lot of uncertainty when I was down there. You know, and there, like, there were guys who wrestled 10 years on the indies and they got signed. There were guys, uh, you know, you start... You know, I, I think for for me, more of the uncertainty came in when a guy like Rusev or Miro comes in and like, damn, he's about my height. He, he actually he can work like he already has prior prior experience. 
He's, he's a big barrel chested dude. So you start seeing other guys who like might be slotted for you because I, you know, we saw it is essentially like you're kind of the owner, the chairman's you're in this toy box and it doesn't matter if you're the best or you're, if you're the most over, he just decides, Hey, I need to call someone up. Oh, that, that's the toy I want to play with. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick that up. I'll put him on my main <laughs> roster or I'll put her, you know what I mean? Like there's sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. It's not about being the best. It's not about being the best promo. Sometimes it's just, Whoever the booker is on Raw or SmackDown, or whoever's making those decisions on who comes up, what do they want at that moment? What toy do they want to play with? And sometimes, you know, you have a certain, oh, this is how my toy is dressed. And he's like, nah, I, I want to put a, a, a skirt on you. All right, I guess I'm wearing a skirt now. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, uh, <laughs> that, that for me was just, I, I thought about the other people that were kind of had similar comps as me. And you see other people like that come in. Uh, we had like big bodybuilders come in as well. So it's just a lot of uncertainty because you don't you don't often sometimes you don't know what they want. You don't know what they're looking for. And when you're going through that daily grind man, I was in FCW for uh, about three and a half years before I got called up. So it's every day of not knowing, you know, of going to practice, of doing street team, driving to these local uh, shows and just hoping and praying like, is this worth it? Am I wasting my life? Am I am I ever going to get called up? Um, so it's just a lot of uncertainty and a lot of factors are just not really knowing. So I was just really fortunate, uh, to get called up, but yeah, man, it's, uh, a lot of those thoughts of just wondering, like, is this my time? Will it ever be my time? So, uh, I got a question for you, Biggie. So you was mentioning FCW. Did you receive any flack from others that didn't make it and you made it being that they've been doing this their whole life. You wanted to be a football player. And then you just transition over to wrestling. Hey, I'm good at it. So did you receive any flack from those from those guys? So I didn't directly um, because for the most part, I was very introverted and quiet. And I think, you know, I, I, for the most part, I just tried to shake people's hand, try to be respectful. I was never, you know, coming in, talking to, you know, I'm a football player. I deserve to be here. I always stayed low. And I think that allowed me. To, to gain some modicum of respect for my peers and also not to have the target on their back. But you do, you bring up a great point in that a lot of the football players, especially at that time that were coming in, like it was a stain against you in many ways. Like, you know, for the guys who had grinded for so long, a lot of them were offended that, you know, football players were coming in with no experience and getting these opportunities that they'd worked a decade for, you know, Corbin actually, uh, for a lot of people, I don't know, he might be in, in some of our phones still as Football Tom, but people would call him Football, his real name's Tom uh, Pestock, but people call him Football Tom because it was this feeling like this guy who had a cup of coffee in the NFL, got to play in the NFL for a bit, is coming in and taking our spots, and oftentimes, like, I didn't come in because I didn't, I didn't get to play in the league, I didn't come in with a higher salary, but a lot of the guys who had played in the league, they weren't coming in at 500 a month or 500 a week, they were coming in at some of them double that, some of them much more. So there was some bitterness with that. But uh, for me, man, I was think, you know, I never hold any bitterness against anyone who some people were down there for three months and got called up. Some people were down there for years and years and got called up. But as we know, in entertainment, it's not a meritocracy. It really, it just is not. And you have to accept that. So for me, I never held any bitter feelings, but I, I think there were some people who, who felt that way. Like this has been my passion. This is all I wanted to do. I went the indie route. I, I've, I've, you know, toiled for this and now seeing other people pass me up. But thankfully, I mean, people might've said things behind my back, but as far as I know, I kind of skated by a lot of that. They're always going to say things behind your back. You know how that goes, sure. but hey, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the most challenging aspect 
um, when you first started your professional career, both physically and mentally, being that you had zero experience? Uh, the Probably the hardest things for me were, one, being an introvert and learning how to be an entertainer. Like, that took some time. Mm. That took a lot of time. Uh, and also, another thing I struggled with was uh, making it look like I was hurting guys without actually hurting guys. That, that <laughs> took me a while to figure out because, you know, you come in at the time I was, you know, bricked up, you come in and your stuff can't look, look bad. You know, some of the lighter guys who, whose stuff is crisp, but you can see they're not really touching them. You know, it's, they can get away with that. But for me at my size, like they always tell you, lay it in. It has to look good. So it took me a while to figure out how to be safe with guys but also make it look like I was killing them. So that took a bit. But uh, going back to really to learning how to be an entertainer, that for me was really a process. And I think there was always something within me. Like I loved with my with my very close uh, knit group of friends, I always felt like I could open up and I was the one who was always trying to get people to laugh or smile. So that was always a thing. So I would do things like that with my two sisters when I was a kid. I would do that with my close friends. But, it, you know, for me, it often took people really getting to know me and me being comfortable with them for me to get out of that shell. But you don't really have that same luxury as an entertainer. You have to be able to just turn it on and go out there and connect with people. So, uh, yeah, that, that took me a while. That was an adjustment. And uh, I always, you know, I always encouraged wrestlers and talent. Look, even if cutting promos is difficult for you now or uncomfortable or you just don't like it, I'm telling you, do it. Practice it mm -hmm. over and over because for me, to me, I think it's just about reps. It's, it's just about doing it over and over and over again. And it's also just about trying things. I think too many people in our industry are afraid to look silly. They're afraid to do foolish things. And you know me. If you've seen me be wrestled the last decade, <laughs> I am not afraid to make myself look like a fool. I do a lot of that. But <laughs> I always tell people that, too, because, you know, it has opened so many doors for me in entertainment because I can talk because I learned how to cut a promo, because I learned to connect with people. And if you only are a wrestler, if that's all you want to do, if that's all you are, nothing wrong with that, but your ceiling is finite. You can only get to a certain level. But the opportunity to MC for a USFL team, uh, to do voice acting stuff, to do some of the acting stuff, uh, all these other opportunities uh, that have opened to me that I love, that I'm so glad I get to do at 37 years old. Uh, and these are things that I can do into my 40s and 50s and beyond because it's a skill that I worked on. So I always try to encourage young wrestlers, like, I'm not saying you have to be the next rock, but be the best you can as a talker, as a communicator, because it's not easy. It takes time. It takes reps, but it'll be worth it. It really will. Absolutely. Patience, practice, hard work, dedication. Exactly. So you're going through this, you know, your, your journey. Um, you, um, you go through the football. You go through the, uh, the powerlifting. You signed your first contract in 2009 with WWE, the company we all grew up on. You know, what was your family and friends' reaction? Did they did they know you was training for this moment, or it just happened out of nowhere? No, nah, man, it was kind of out of nowhere. Um, one of, one one of the things I do remember <laughs> is uh, kind of people shock because I'm t like I was so quiet. A lot of people were like, y "You know, you got to be a personality out there, right?" Like I had some some of my teammates were like, "You know, you you know, you got to talk, right?" Like that that's a part of the job. Uh, so there was a lot that was kind of the surprise, and then. Uh, you know, for me, football was college football. Just at Iowa in two and a half years was a torn left ACL, a torn right ACL, a torn left pec, a broken right patella and a torn right patella tendon. So I take a medical hardship and I'm done. 
And then to jump back into something where, you know, you're taking power bombs, you're, you know, hit, getting hit with ladder. Like, I didn't learn my lesson either. So I think there were some people who were also concerned, like, hey, man, you just went through this injury-riddled career, and now you want to jump back into something physical as well. But, man, for me, I think I've always been someone – I don't know how to exist without goals, without career goals. Like, I – always feel like I need to be moving towards something. That feeling of being stagnant for me is like death, really. I can't sit still with doing nothing. Uh, and I just love having goals and progressing towards something. So for me, it was, a, it was a challenge that I was really excited about, man. The opportunity to hopefully one day uh, be good enough at this, to get onto Raw and SmackDown, to do the thing that I loved as a kid. Uh, really amazing. So it was just, I, I kind of just treated it as, like, I'm just going to give it my all, and whatever happens, happens. Uh, you know, I, I get why people might have their reservations about how I can do this, you know, you know, from a personality standpoint, I, I get that, but I just wanted to give it my all and, and see. So, man, I, I feel, it's so wild, man, how quickly a lot of these things go. I know all the old timers say it, and it's hard to really understand and comprehend when you're young, but then when you look back and you're like, damn. It's been 14 years and counting 14. that I've been with this company, a job that I just kind of took on a whim. And like to have 14 years fly by like that is is wild. But uh, man, I'm always so I feel like all the leaps that I took in my life, I never felt like I was ready for them. I just knew that I wanted more out of my life. So I just kind of turned off that that doubting part of my brain or I just I quieted it for a second. I just made the leap. And I'm always so glad I did. And I always encourage people like, man, make that leap, because if you don't, like that regret is is something that I would have been hard for me to live with. I'm so glad that I, even when I didn't think I could do the things that I, that I ended up doing in my life, I made the leap and, I, and I'm glad that I did. Well, we're glad that you did too, because now you're a part of one of the greatest fractions of all time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you put on so many great matches in the ring. You're so great. You stamina wise, your mic skills, Every athlete has that one special ritual that they do before a match. LeBron, he throws a chalk in the air. Marshawn Lynch, he eats Skittles and drinks a shot of Hennessy. <laughs> what is your <laughs> What is your special ritual if you have one? Oh man. Uh I I never honestly I never was really uh rich I guess I, I guess I don't see it really as a ritual as part of my preparation. Uh for for one, uh so on I feel like wrestlers always look bad if you're dry. I just couldn't stand to look dry. So I always use I use baby oil for oh, no. TV. Uh, so that that's always a thing. You know, you got to oil up. Uh, but sometimes I oil up too early if it's uh, something later in the show. So I have to put on another coat of oil. Uh, but on house shows, I don't want I don't use baby oil all the time. I don't like it feels heavy on you. I don't like all that. So I use cocoa butter on the house shows. I think it, it still gives you a good sheen. I like the sheen of the baby oil. So it's always Baby oil for TV, cocoa butter for house shows. So that was, it's not really in the same vein as ritual, but I guess it's a little little thing that I did. That, that was, that it's was, like a tune-up. Yeah. Right, right. It's right, like a right. tune-up. So let's, let's get into the product today. How much of the product do you watch today? And is it hard to watch knowing that you can't be out there? No, in fact, it's, it's like the opposite, honestly. Like I, it's been kind of, it's been fun for me to sit back as a fan and see the landscape change. And uh, I was talking to, to uh, Woodsy about this recently, um, but it's so wild how quickly, and Breeze, I was talking to Breeze about this, uh, it's, it's wild how quickly the locker room can change. 
because now looking at, you know, I watch uh, watching main roster TV and, you know, Judgment Day, they're a huge part of the show. Obviously, you know, uh, seeing Judgment Day, seeing Dom being such a big part of the show. And mind you, like before I got hurt, Dom was like just starting to, to get there. Um, so it's just it's been cool to see all the, the turnover. And it feels like so many of the guys from my generation, like you, you become the, the OG, the old head real quick. It's jarring. It really is jarring how quickly you become the old guy. I was looking around the locker room like, you know, when I had the title, I looked around. I'm like, damn, I didn't come up with any of these cats in the locker room and not, not like no offense to them, not none of them, but it's like, it's just seeing that shift. So that's, that's what I've been enjoying is just really seeing new people step up, seeing Rhea Ripley. Like I always, as soon as I, you know, first seeing her work and knowing how good she was, I always felt like, man, she should be doing so much more. She should be in such a better position. And now seeing these last, six, nine months, however long it's been, seeing her ascend to the point where, like, I always thought she deserved to be, it's so, so cool, man. So that's that's the part I like, too. Watching NXT as well, uh, you know, watch this past week that, you know, seeing how stacked it was, I had to tune in. Uh, so it's cool to see, you know, now, yeah, man, and now I got the chance to go down to the NXT TV a couple months ago, seeing guys like Carmelo, uh, seeing, you know, I've done a couple appearances with, with Braun Breaker, uh, seeing the amount of women uh, down there in the NXT who are killing it, and also I gotta I gotta stop and just just talk solely about the amount of dope black wrestlers that there are now in NXT on the main roster that did not exist in 2009. We had dope black wrestlers, don't get me wrong, but you you couldn't look at the main roster and see watch one Raw and see eight to ten different black male and female wrestlers like that wasn't really a thing. And now, and one thing I love too is they're not just getting these opportunities merely to fit a quota, merely because oh we need some talent. No, they, when you watch Bianca, she deserves to be there because she's the dopest. She deserves that position because she's just that dope. When you watch just, I mean, Carmelo, he deserves that spot because he's that dope, man. And uh, and seeing the crop in NXT, and you know, even getting to do like for me now, a lot of my roles is uh, it's doing the tryout stuff. It's doing the NIL campus rust stuff. So I'm getting to see some of the cats that are just now starting in NXT. I was there. Like, we met them on campus. or We, we met them at the tryout, and that's really cool. But uh, I'm really cool. I mean, it's been really cool to see the growth of wrestling in general. But for me, I'm, I'm really proud to see how many incredible black wrestlers there are that bring something unique to the table. Like, who aren't just like, hey, I'm, a, I'm a, a guy or a girl who goes out there and I do moves. Like, no, you bring something cool to the table. You bring your culture to the table. You bring something unique to the table. So it's been the nice part about not being active right now is being able to sit back and observe and really just be a fan. So this is a very tribal industry. You know, wrestling fans can be very tribal. It's a very this side versus that side industry. Yes. <laughs> What's your opinion on that? And are, do wrestlers play into that at all? Because we all know Xavier Woods and Kenny Omega are like best friends. Like, give it to me. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I can't speak for everyone. I'll speak for my experience, from my perspective. Another company means more money for all of us. It means more opportunities for my friends. I got I got a ton of friends over on the other side. It means like everyone has to raise their game. Everyone has to step it up. This is the and look at the numbers, man. 
look at like the amount of times I get emails or I see tweets about, oh, this has been the highest grossing fast lane ever. This has been the most uh, attended live event ever in this town. Like it's, it's record breaker after record breaker after record breaker. And there are a lot of factors, but I think competition is a real reason that's a factor as well. To me, this has been the hottest time for the industry in what, 20 years? Over 20? Like it's, it's been a minute, right? So yeah. I feel like from, I, I could only speak to myself and the people that I surround myself with in the industry. And we're all like, I'm I'm rooting for everybody, man. I'm rooting for everybody. So uh, it's so cool, man. I, and I like, I have a bunch of people on the other side that I'm fans of, that I like to big up, that I reach out to. So I think a lot of that, you know, people, button heads, tribalism, nonsense, a lot of it's between fans. From what I've seen, most of us as performers, we're so happy there's an alternative. Uh, you know, for one, like my last deal in 2019 was life-changing money. And I have to say thank you. Thank you for having a competitor out there who helped raise the floor. Like, I, my bank account is fatter because of competition. So, like, man, I, I love y'all for starting another, uh, starting another uh, organization that's killing it right now. So a lot of that tribalism stuff, I think, is, is between fans right now. And uh, I, it's cool when it's fun, but when it starts getting mudslingy and and nasty and all that other stuff it's just like i don't i don't get it right so biggie in a perfect world you never get injured the neck is as strong as can be who is biggie's dream wrestlemania opponent let us know oh that's a good one man that's a very good one um it's like i feel it went around so long you, you wrestle so many of the same people i would have to say you know it's been cool, uh, you know. It's been well documented that my favorite wrestler of all time is Goldberg, and uh, <laughs> I, I have to say, if, if forced to pick one, it, it would be Goldberg. Man. So it's just so dope for me because he was my guy. I love WCW. I grew up in Florida, uh, so growing up, you know, we got WCW. It's so interesting because a lot of my friends in on the East Coast in New York, they like they didn't come up with WCW, so they were never into it. They didn't get it. But I loved WCW as a kid, and Goldberg was my guy. For one, I just love, again, the whole... I, I don't like doing the big meaty men thing because I don't want to wear it down. I love that people still use it all the time. And I don't want to be the one... I don't want to be the one that... The, be the reason that people get tired of it. So I don't I don't use it too often. But I, I love that it's taken on a life of its own. Um, but I, I love this big jack dude who came out there, who had the crowd losing their minds. Uh, and then I got to meet him at a signing. And this had to be in the late 90s. This is when WCW was still around. This is before uh, WCW folded. So, you know, man, I'm probably, what, 12, 13 years old, maybe even younger than that. And I remember I have this vivid memory of uh, stopping in. He had an in-store signing at like a Walmart or something in town. And I was on my way to church uh, with my dad. And at the time, I think we were doing we, we, we lived in church. Uh, my dad's a preacher. So we had like we had like four and a half, five hours Sunday morning. I think we went home and then we came back and for another two hours. But in between there, we had enough time to stop by and say what's up to Goldberg. So uh, I remember being in line and uh, I remember uh, he had a smile on his face. I remember he complimented me and my dad on our suits and, and signed for me. And mind you, this experience with him, I don't know, maybe lasted 30 seconds, a minute tops. But that's something that's always burned in my brain because I'm sure he was jet lagged. I'm sure he was tired. I'm sure he'd been there all day. Whatever it was, he had all these excuses and he could have just phoned it in. But 
that memory was so positive to meet like your guy, your idol, and he leaves a positive memory with you. Uh, that's why, you know, there was uh, WWE cameras uh, caught it at the Royal Rumble, I think in 2020 or 2021 or 2021, actually. Uh, and uh, something backstage with Goldberg. And just for me to be able to say, you know what, it might have meant nothing to you. But thank you so much for being cool to me, you know, 25 years ago. It really meant a lot to me like that. That to me is one of my very favorite memories of my childhood. You know, I went to I remember going I went to underground Atlanta uh, when I was a kid. And I, was, I wish I still had that shirt, but I had a Goldberg shirt too, like 25, 30 years ago. That was my guy. So to meet your hero and he's the man, he's incredible. That meant a lot to me. So uh, Goldberg, that's my long winded way of saying Goldberg. Hey, Goldberg versus Biggie. I would love to see it. Now, look, Biggie, we would love to sit here and talk to you all day, but we know you got things to do. So we're going to end this with a, a I really fighter. don't, though. Uh, I really don't. I mean, y'all can keep going. Y'all oh. really can keep going. In that case, I got to ask because, you know, Sylvan, Sylvan wanted to ask, but, you know, he, he, he dodged it a little bit. He might be a little scared, but I'm going to go I ahead did. and ask you. <laughs> Before we came on this he podcast, we were, we were discussing uh, a moment that John Cena had in the ring uh, a little while ago. When he 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 kind of he might have used the bathroom on himself in the ring, and we wanted to know, Biggie, have you ever had a moment like that in wrestling where you know you just you, something might have happened, you couldn't hold it in? Uh, ooh, let me think. I actually wrestling, I've been good. I've been able. My bowels have been intact. Uh, I got my sphincter is crazy, man. My sphincter control is is crazy, bro. Like I'm able to keep it all in. Uh, and uh, but I will say I would be lying if I didn't say squatting and deadlifting has gotten me many times, many times, man. I've been in the gym sometime. <laughs> you got some heavy weight on your back. And look, man, I, I take lifting seriously. So if I feel it coming, I got to complete the rep. I just got to. <laughs> so it's why I wear leggings and whatnot. So there have been some there have been multiple occasions, unfortunately, squatting and deadlifting where I completed a set and I had to go clean some things up. I'm not proud of it. It's not what I chose. I don't want this life. <laughs> this is where I'm at. So thankfully, I've, I've never soiled myself in ring. But in the gym, oh, I was going to say dozens. I don't know. Is it over a dozen times, sadly. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Oh, it's been no. a while. Oh, no. Yes, I know. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> I got I got one question, man. You know that's just been on that's just been on my heart. You know, look, we know right now, women have been hotter than ever when it comes down to being in a wrestling, like just spirits. Period. Like there's a like forget a revolution. Like they are the ones. But who's the one to you, man? Like who's the one to you that you feel like right now? Like nah, like she's the one. Like nobody else, nobody's rocking with her right Ooh. now. I just, I just want to know. Cause I know who I, I know who, I know who's got my Rhea? ticket right now. Like, I'm, oh yeah, I, yeah, I know who's got my ticket. Rhea's my, Rhea. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, but that's just yeah. me. That's just who I am as a person. Yeah. No, right. no, Rhea, Rhea deserves to be up there. Uh, man, it's hard. She's on hiatus right now, but it's hard for me to not pick Bianca. Man, mm-hmm. the combination Bianca. of strength, yeah. of agility, yeah. and she's, she's a. She is jacked. She is put together. And to see how crisp that 450 is clean. Uh, also, man, yeah. and, and to see to see her WrestleMania entrances, like to like you see a black band at WrestleMania in that way. Like we've done, you know, seen like black choirs were seen and whatnot. But 
to see the culture come out like that way for a black woman in a spot like that, that to me is special. That to me has never been done before. Rhea deserves to be at the top of your list. I'm not going to take anything from you. But I'll say right now, even though she's on hiatus, I, I, Bianca's still at the top of my list. That's real. She brought our divas a Compton, too. That's dope, yeah, man. That was, very in, that was cool. incredible. Dope. Big E, man, I'm, I have to ask you this question. Yeah. I have to ask you this question. Hit me. We, we all love Kofi Kingston. This is a pro Kofi Kingston yes. podcast. So we were very happy to see him. <laughs> right, yes. Oh, this is Kofi. We were very happy to see him become the very first African-born champion. So when he lost that title in mere seconds to Brock Lesnar, we were hurt. We were hurt. I want to know what was going through you guys' mind. We were all hurt. We were all hurt. Uh, you know, I always, to me, I always take my hat off to Kofi because he's probably the most even-keeled person I've ever met. Like, horrible things can happen, and he's just steady as a rock. And I think it's a, a lot of the reason why he's been able to, you know, last so long. It's not just from a physical standpoint, but, like, it's, it's not easy. A lot of things that you have to go through, ups and downs, a booking, of pushes, all those things – to do that for 15 years or however long it's been uh, is very impressive. But yeah, man, it's um, obviously I can't say too much. But what I will say <laughs> is the hurt that you felt, we felt that hurt too. Okay, we we felt that hurt too. It was deep. Uh, you know, it's always sometimes you things can have an ending. They can have a certain result, and that result might not be the way that you want it to be but you can accept it but sometimes it's the way you go about getting to that end that bothers you more than anything so that is there you go that's my explanation appreciate you, appreciate i was you. i was in a stable center sick i was sick yeah, man. Yeah, four seconds i'm like bro yeah. come on Oh, you were in the building, alive, man. Cool. Yeah, was that cool? he Big was there, I saw yo. you dancing. I saw you dancing on the ring like this. <laughs> I saw all that. I, sh I shouldn't have been dancing on that day. I, I shouldn't have been dancing on that day. <laughs> yeah, man. It's crazy. No, but I feel like it's incredible. So uh, I got a question too, Biggie. Um, you got to, man. Yeah. you got to, or or uh, the business will drive you insane if you don't. Facts. So I, I got a question. Um, I know most wrestling fans. Um, they built their memories off nostalgic. Um, and we're in a boom period right now, obviously. This current era is amazing. It's incredible. What is your favorite era, your favorite wrestling era? Uh, it's, you're right. Everything, it's hard to remove the nostalgia from wrestling. But I yeah. think it's the same way from hip-hop. Like, it's hard for me to not say that the mid-90s is the golden era of, of hip-hop. Like, for me, it is. Because uh, that's, you know, that's, those are my formative years as well. But I would probably say, like, the Attitude Era, like, that's, it, everyone says it. Like, it, we all, everyone who's old like me says it, you know. But how can you not? Like, when, like, WCW, I, again, watching Nitro every Monday, uh, it was a really a great time. Uh, now is obviously an amazing time as well. But, yeah, man, those are my formative years. Those are the years that really shaped me. So, yeah, I got to say, like, my favorite era of wrestling was the mid-'90s, man. You had, You just had... The, the Monday Night Wars was so much fun, man. So much fun. Like, oh, going man. back and forth and, and WCW taking over for a bit and killing it in the ratings and, and WWE trying to respond. Like, it was just a, a really fun time in the company. So, uh, yeah, that, that for me, those, those are my formative years. That's my answer. I also wanted to um, ask you, like, you're a pretty decorated 
wrestler. Let's just keep it. Let's just keep it a stack, man. I mean, the things that you've done in this company. I mean, you have a you have a dream career, in my opinion. Um, but you are very much part of a very esteemed list, which is black WWE wrestling champions, right? And I just wanted to ask you how that felt to be part of such an esteemed, like very minimal list, yeah. um, and how that how that resonates with you in your career. No, nah, man, I'm really really proud of that because uh, I think it's a really dope group as well, man. Especially we did something uh, special about a year ago, I think it was, and uh, there's a picture that we all took with the WWE Championships is me, Kofi, and Bobby. And to be, you know, those are all to have my, all my contemporaries there as well. Uh, I take a lot of pride in that, a ton of pride, man, because I just I often think back to like representation and what we had when I was a kid growing up. And uh, I will never disparage anyone who had to do the things they had to do to make a living. But oftentimes us as black performers, we were not always allowed to be placed in the best light. You know, we had to lean into stereotypes and a lot of stuff that was, you know, harmful, I think, for, for kids to see and have this idea of, oh, that's what a black man is. That's what a black woman is. And and they're in these positions that oftentimes are degrading. So for me to now get to a point where, like, I really felt like I fought to be myself in that position, to win the WWE championship as myself. A lot of people were telling me, you got to be more serious. You got to do this. You got to do that. But I always thought, like, I've been in this business long enough. Like I would, I always want to sink or swim on my own merits. I feel like I know myself and the way I want to portray this character and the way I want to carry myself better than anyone can ever tell me. So for me to be able to do it as myself, uh, regardless of, of how the reign actually went, but to get to that point, to wear that title, that prestigious championship too, uh, is something that I'm really, really proud of. And like you said, to do it alongside of uh, my brother to do it with Kofi, to do it with Bobby, who I have a ton of respect for. I remember when I first got signed, I was studying Bobby. You know, I see this dude who's super explosive, uh, just an athlete. And I was watching a lot of the matches with him and Cena, uh, you know, around like 2009. So I think their matches from like, oh, oh, seven, oh, eight. A lot of that stuff I, I was watching. I was really into just trying to learn more uh, about Bobby. So to see him have him come back. And somehow, I don't know if he's aged in reverse. He definitely hasn't really aged. I don't know. <laughs> he, he might be a cyborg. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. I'm not sure he's yeah. human. He's a great dude. He's actually a great human being. So that makes me think, all right, he's, he's got to be a human. But otherwise, like, this man is ridiculous physically. Um, but, yeah, man, I just uh, I think it's a really great group of WWE champions who are black. So for me, it was an honor. Uh, and I'm really, really proud of that. That's uh, a moment that I'm so grateful that I got to be a part of. Yo, so Biggie, one of oh, our oh. one of our favorite wrestlers, or one of my personal favorite wrestlers, has always been Dolph Ziggler. I've always felt like he was very much a modern day HBK. Describe what it was like being yeah. on the road with Dolph Ziggler as a young Big E, because you were you were you were paired with with Dolph Ziggler and AJ Lee very early on in your career. Yeah, man. So I was I was so fortunate and blessed, man. I always think about it. So when I got called up, you know, I was doing the NXT, uh, the five count gimmick in NXT and whatnot. But it was interesting <laughs> because I was I was in NXT being this charismatic babyface doing this five count. And then they told me when I came up, no, you got to be the stoic heel. So it was, it was it was switching in and out of in and out of very different personas for a while. But for me to, to come up with Dolph was just the best opportunity for one. My debut. The first time people see me on TV is in Philadelphia. It's the night of the Slammies, which I don't know why we don't do the Slammies anymore. Bring back the Slammies. They haven't. But yeah, yeah, but I want it to be like the Golden Globes. Like we all sit down. Imagine a bunch of wrestlers 
in like a banquet hall or something. We're all in our gear and just and random fights break out. I don't know. But anyways, bring back the slams. I got some ideas. Uh, but to come up and I leave John Cena laying to close the show in Philadelphia, standing over his body like that to me, like what a great way to come up. But I also love that I got to kind of slowly get my feet wet because I wasn't having to wrestle 15, 20 minute matches every night when I wasn't. I thought I was ready, but you're not really ready. Like I was not ready at that time. Um, so to be able to come up as Dolph's heater, to be there with AJ, who are super established, they're super over. And I got to learn, even just being there at ringside on a nightly basis, hearing the crowd, seeing how they had the, the crowd in the palm of their hands. Like my, So I got called up in, I think it was December of 2012. And it was like a couple weeks later, I'm doing, I'm at the ring, cage side, steel cage matches, Madison Square Garden, John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, main events. Like this is, I'm like two weeks in the main roster career and I'm there for these, just these massive matches, matches at MSG. We go to Detroit, we, you know, all around. Um, so it was just a great learning experience for me. And then, you know, we, we traveled together too. So being in the car with Dolph and AJ, uh, hearing their ideas, uh, trying to, to, to fill this bond, to, to make this thing of ours work, uh, to me, it was just such a great experience. For one, I got to learn how to work within a group which I didn't know at the time was going to benefit me moving forward uh, with the new day. But uh, to, you know, I, I think the world again uh, of Dolph and, you know, there was a moment where I turned on Dolph and then we, we have to, we get to work a bunch of matches. We worked uh, a mixed tag at SummerSlam as well, but I was, you know, everyone that works Dolph considers it a night off because he's so smooth, so incredible the way he sells. I have never met uh, anyone who sells as well in this, in this modern era. Really I good. think he's the best. Seller there is. Uh, so, yeah, I have a ton of respect for Dolph as well. I'm I'm right with you. He's the man, an incredible wrestler. Uh, still, to me, has a lot left in the tank as well. So uh, I'm intrigued to see where he goes and, and seeing how his career flourishes. But uh, it was just a, a great way for me to come up and to get established. And, and AJ as well. Just such a great promo. Uh, really, in many ways, like damn near a pioneer in, yes. in many ways in women's wrestling. I felt like she was doing things that no one else really was doing at the time in women's wrestling. So I, I feel really fortunate to come up with both of them. Well, we we can't we can't mention All right, AJ. Yeah, I wanna I wanna uh, we can't mention AJ without oh, bringing yeah, up I mean, yeah, her other true. half because we all see the rumors out there. CM Punk, do you? We don't Uh-oh. know. Is he? Is it he? <laughs> Biggie, Biggie, tell Yo. me something. Do you think that CM Punk would be? I, 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 I truly know nothing. I know nothing. If I did know something, I mean, obviously, I couldn't. I couldn't say anything either. But I honestly don't know anything. I'm on. I'm on Twitter like y'all. I'm. I'm on. You know, everything like y'all. But look, man. I'm whatever is good for the industry. Whatever is. I wish. I wish Punk well. I wish whatever wherever he lands. I, I wish it well. I know nothing, and uh, I'm still in a contract with, with the company. They, they still pay my bills. So, so let, yeah. let me let me not uh, get into any trouble. Right, 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 right. I had to. Yeah, I got, I got two questions for you, man. Um, Understand. I got two questions for you, my guy. Uh, um, first, first is, um, do you have a top five in wrestling? Top five currently or top five ever? Ooh. Ever. Do you have a top five? I don't have a top five ever. That's why I'm asking. I, like, I have a top five currently, but not ever. So, 
I typically, my go-to is usually I hate making lists of any kind, honestly, because I always feel like it's in flux. It always depends on my mood, and art is always so subjective. And, I, you know, I think of, of you know, pro wrestling as performance art, so it's always hard to say. I will say for my personal, like my personal favorites, I'm not saying the best ever, but my favorites, if I had to pick five, Ron Simmons, Vader, Let's go. Scott Steiner, Goldberg, mm. And who I gotta pick one more. Gonna gotta pick one more. Damn, this one more is, is killing me right now. Uh, s- split one for Kofi and Woods. There we go. Just yeah, hey, melt, melt them together. That's six, but that's 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 the <laughs> list. All right, that's all I got. And then the the last one is um regarding <clears throat> regarding your your tenure in WWE. You know, we have to like just speak on the importance of the new day. Uh, just because of how much New Day has accomplished in wrestling. I mean, obviously, as being a, a wrestling faction, um, but just the influence in wrestling, period. Um, I just want to ask, when you guys came together like Voltron um, or like, you know, like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, you know, Megazord, to form this group, did you guys ever think that you guys would be as important and integral to the the history of wrestling as you guys are now? Uh, I don't think so. And I don't want to speak for them. For me personally, I thought when we first came together, it was very clear we had chemistry, like a lot of chemistry. Um, And I already had worked on a group called The Plan in FCW with Woods. So I already knew how smart he was. And again, it was like it was kind of we wore white and red, which was you know, when you see him wear that white and red suit, I don't know if it was the same suit, but it was the same color scheme from when we had the plan. And the plan was Byron Saxon at the time was uh, was a wrestler. So we had Saxon in the group. It was me and it was Abraham Washington. And I don't know if you all remember Abraham Washington, Abraham Washington uh, yes. but this man could cut a promo like nobody's business man. and a great athlete. Like I always thought he was going to take off. He had, uh, he had a, I don't know if you remember his talk show he had on ECW, yeah, on ECW uh, with uh, Tony Atlas. Yeah, we'll just sit there and do the laugh. But anyways, so we so we had this experience working together on a group. And I think for us, it was, you know, Woods realized he had kind of just come up and his career was already floundering. He calls it the worst debut of all time. And I don't know if he's wrong. It's not great. Uh, he comes out as an R-Truth friend and they don't really even introduce him. He's just on screen for a little bit with no explanation. Uh, and then he just kind of goes on to get killed every night for, uh, you know, months. Uh, so this man is doing nothing in his career. And when he talks to me that night, I dropped the IC title to, uh, Wade Barrett, who was really hot at the time doing the bad news Barrett stuff. And I knew I was floundering as well. Uh, the writing was on the wall for me. Uh, and then we get with, eventually we ended up getting Cove, which was Wood's idea. My only concern was, that I thought to, for this group to work, we needed to be heels. And I thought they'd never let Kofi be a heel. So that was my one concern. But I always respected Kofi, always loved uh, his stuff. Um, but, you know, all three of us got together. And, like, very, very quickly, it didn't feel like it took long at all. We realized we we saw the business the same way. We were all excited to do something unique and different. We all needed something. We were, it was such a relief to go to Kofi because, you know, he's established. He doesn't need us. But... You know, at the time, like he's talked about like considering retirement at the time. And this is wow. 2014. This is and he's Jeez. he's because he's just like not really fulfilled, trying to figure it out. And he's like, eh, maybe do I want to move on? But for the three of us to get together and we just started traveling together. One of the saving graces, too, was 
even before we were on TV as the New Day, uh, Michael Hayes was booking the live events. And one of the great things was he was he signed off on us doing live events together. So we had months and months before we ever even did the vignettes or wherever we ever got the thumbs up on being a group officially, we got this opportunity. So we're doing house shows on a weekly basis. We're in the car traveling together. We're shooting ideas around. We're when we're home, we're texting each other ideas. We're emailing ideas. Uh, in our spare time, we would even go out. We'd have these ideas for vignettes because we always thought like, just don't go to Vince and just pitch an idea. Don't just verbally give him an idea. Let's show him an idea. Let's actually shoot something. Let's let him know so he doesn't even have to stretch his mind to imagine what this pre-take would look like. Let's go to him and say, here it is. Here's a laptop. Here's a screen. This is exactly what it looks like. So we would go out uh, and we would buy wardrobe. We would we'd get stuff. We, would, we, would always, we were just spending so much time working on this thing because we really wanted to work and we knew we had something special. So I can't say that we knew we were destined to, you know, set a record uh, that had stood for 20 years with uh, uh, the, the longest reigning tag team now held by the Usos. But, you know, we broke a record that had stood for 20 years, like all the things to get an opportunity to have this long promo seg with The Rock, to see Kofi become a world champion, to see Woods become become king of the ring. Uh, just all the incredible things that we've been able to do over the last nine years. I can't say that I knew that we would get to that height, but I knew we had something special. And that's why we wouldn't allow ourselves to give up on the new day, to give up on our group. We wouldn't give up on ourselves. In many ways, when people laughed at us or told us this idea wouldn't work, it brought us together even more. It never, there was never a moment where it was like, eh, I don't know about this, or maybe I need to get out of here. It was, all right, we'll show you. It was us against the world. It was that feeling like, no, nah, we're not going to be denied. We're not going to be told no. We're going to make this work. And even if we do go and say, all right, here's our idea. And he says, nah, all right, we'll come back. We'll, we'll be back next week with a new idea. We'll flip it. You say no to that one. Okay, we'll come back a week after that. And we'll come. so we were just persistent. And I think that's what it was for us is just, we just refused to be told no. We refused to stop, man. It was, it was that important for us to get this thing off the ground because we just believed that much in what we had to offer. So I will say we knew we had something special. We knew we had something to offer. I didn't know if I knew that we would get to the heights that we got. Wow. Sheesh. Incredible. That's man. crazy. Incredible. Well, listen, Amazing. Vicky, Thank you. I just want to let you know, we truly, truly, truly appreciate you for doing our show. You are always welcome back. Whenever you want to be on, we will have you with open arms. And like, I just want to express to you how much you mean to us. You are one of the most incredible wrestlers that we've ever seen. I like to call you a black icon mm -hmm. because that's what you are, a black icon. You deserve all the flowers. Every single one of our episodes, we like to give our flowers to our favorite black wrestlers, post, both past and present. And I think this week, there's no better choice than Big E. So Big E, you are our black wrestler of the week. Yeah, facts. We love yes. you. Thank we you. appreciate yep. you for joining our show. Everybody, make sure you go out there. If you're out there, make sure you're following Big E's Instagram page. Big E is hilarious. He's going to all these college campuses, and it, it's, it's lovely to see. We love it. We love it. We hope to see you on TV wrestling one day again. But if, if you never step foot in that ring again, you've done enough for us to, to be appreciated. So we truly love you, Big E. More than that, man. Thank you so much for those Facts. kind words, man. For real, I really appreciate y'all. I appreciate the love. So, thank you for having me on, man. This is really fun. I appreciate it for real. So, we just wrapped up this Big E interview, guys. That was incredible. That was incredible. That was fun. Yeah, no, man. Man? had a no? really good time. Shouts to E, man. Like, 
Yeah, shouts to E, man. E is like one of those. First off, E is a homie. I've known E since 2016, just on some DM, you know, talking about life and like barely talking about wrestling, honestly. So like, I honestly, you know, I, you know, look, him being on this pod, like I thought probably, you know, we talked for a little bit, maybe like 20 minutes, you know, nothing crazy, man. We we spoke to homie for an hour, bro. Like, right. I was not expecting that, man. Was not. Like, shouts Yo. to E for real. Shout out to Big E, man. This is probably, I mean, clearly the first wrestler I ever even held a conversation with. Like, this is dope. Um, I'm proud to say I've known Big E for a whole hour now. Not as long as Sylvan, but a whole hour, you know. <laughs> so I, f- I feel really great about that. It was a great experience, man. You know, can't wait Look, to have I him got back. A, I, got a, I got a couple wrestling homies, but I was definitely the biggest. So shout out to Big E for doing this podcast. <clears throat> we truly appreciate you. And he was giving it up. He was giving it up because he was comfortable, you know. Yeah. You know he was comfortable because he's he's around people like him. This is why I keep saying that we need black voices in this in this wrestling space. Because look at the, you just saw the result of it. Like yeah. he's one of us. But yeah, that was huge, man. Yeah. Shout out to it's Big really e dope too, man. Like, like, yeah, like him him speaking just on like the inspiration of behind like our heroes, um, rock and you know how that was like influenced a lot by George Floyd and him using his platform um, to create something that bridges between rap and black history and children. Like I was just like, yo man, this guy is like, you know, granted, like I've, I've known about this, like I've known about him doing this, but like, man, him emphasizing where that inspiration came from. It's like, yo, this is what this is all about. You know, like this is what we, this is, this is the stuff that we live for, you know, especially on this pod. So you ain't, you ain't wrong Quan, for real. Hey, they're going to be out there. They're going to be like, how did this podcast get Big E? <laughs> how? We industry plants, baby. <laughs> no, we, look it. I'm letting y'all know right now, we industry plants. We was born <laughs> we was born in this and sprouted from the ground. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But shout out to Big E for doing the podcast, man. That was, that was major. That was definitely major. Now, fellas. Yeah, I'm not ready. We, we, I'm not playing. We definitely industry plants. Let's get it. <laughs> You know, what I'm we, here, we we are here to succeed, baby. Hey, you know what I mean? Shout we are poised to be great. You know, shout out to my girl Bobby. You know what I'm saying? She a she a plant just like me. <laughs> but fellas, fellas, fellas. <laughs> hey yo. But fellas, y'all y'all ready to get oh, into man. this wrestling? Because we got a lot to talk about. It's been an incredible, hey, incredibly crazy week. It's been a wild week. First Ooh, off, wee. I was wrong. I was wrong. I sat here and I I, I, I claimed that, you know, AEW would take the Tuesday Night War. Now, I definitely thought AEW would win in the demos, but I thought the overall viewership would, you know, belong to NXT. But it seems like I was wrong because NXT dominated both. What was the what was the final score? It was like 600K to like 930. 600K to 9. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, mm. it was a landslide. It was a landslide. But first off, what do we think of the shows? I loved um, the NXT show. Uh, I like the fact that they had some of the legends crossing paths with some of the upcoming um, wrestlers, um, such as Ron Breaker, Carmelo. Um, Dom had a dope match. He had a dope match. I believe LA Knight was the referee for that match, right? Yeah, special guest referee. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that 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 was kind of that was kind of dope. Um, yeah, and we haven't seen Undertaker in so long, man. It was kind of dope seeing him come out, um, you know, to a smaller crowd and you know working the crowd. 
Um, I, I enjoyed it. And as far as AEW, they had they had a cool show too. You know, it just didn't have more viewers, but it had it was a cool show. You know, Edge. AEW the, the best match I'm still call him Edge. AEW. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> You're a fool for that. The best the best match of that night belonged to AEW. Let's just be honest. Swerve versus Brian Danielson was the best match of the night. But AEW was Facts. you know, it wasn't it wasn't as exciting as NXT with all the legend returns. So shout out to NXT. They they had an incredible show. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean AEW AEW in my opinion had the better core show. Like it was a better show altogether. But NXT was just I mean, anybody anytime you bring in the Undertaker, John Cena, I mean, look, that that roster was st- stacked, man. And Come to on, see man. Taker in some uptowns See <laughs> 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 so Taker is just like, yo, some high tops. I'm like, all right, man. Like to see him give to see him give the rub to Carmelo. Um, see him give the rub to uh, to Braun Breaker. Did um, he give him the rub? It was just a special time. I'm really glad that that happened. I mean, that I feel like he did. I feel like anybody, anytime, anybody that's in the ring with the Undertaker or John Cena, you get in the rub, bro. Like this ain't this ain't 2012, man. This ain't two, this ain't even 2015. These are esteemed, established legends. Like they're um, it, it, you. You're lucky if you even get to see them in the background, man. You know. So the fact that know, they got just, to be in the ring with those guys is is the rub of a rub. Brian definitely saying, got the rub, man. Uh, Paul Heyman, come on. A 25 year old getting beat up by a 60 year old that ain't necessarily a rub to me, but I I I, I get what you're saying. I feel you. I hear you. I definitely hear you. But uh, I feel like there's yeah. a there's a better way we mm. can introduce Brown Breaker yeah. to the WWE audience than you know getting beat up by a 60 year old. But that's just uh, me. What a troll! What a troll, Quan! What a troll! What uh, a troll! Uh, you don't I believe mean, what look, you're saying. You don't even believe it. I believe it. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. 90% of WWE's audience has no idea who Braun Breaker is because most people don't watch NXT. Most people watch SmackDown and Raw. We can see it in the difference in viewership. So this clip of Braun Breaker getting his ass whooped by 60-year-old Undertaker is going to be most people's introduction to Braun Breaker. So I just I'm just saying that I'm not mad at it. Like I get why they do it. I'm just saying that (laughs) I really do think that it would be beneficial towards WWE if they introduced nah. their youngest, hottest talent in a better way than getting beat up by a 60-year-old. I'm just that's just me though. That's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. Oh, that's such a troll. Oh my that god. That clip that clip what is gonna be troll. forgettable. That clip is gonna be forgettable. Let's be honest. Just like you said, nobody watches NXT like that. So when he makes it to the main roster, nobody's gonna remember that that spot with him getting choked signed by Undertaker. So I mean, all I'm saying is, what's look, supposed what I... to happen? Like, what, what what is supposed to happen though? What's supposed to happen, Quan? I'll like, tell you. What, I'll tell you. What, I'll tell you what's supposed to, to happen. You do you remember what happened when when the Fiend and Mick Foley shared the ring together? I do. The Fiend put Mick Foley in the mandible claw. Oh it was the God! I I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed the Fiend losing to Goldberg. But maybe I'm like I said. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I hate I'm insane. You right now. <laughs> so it's uh, like you because you, you're making such a me. Purist. Yo, first off, first off, rest in peace to Bray Wyatt. R.I.P. I hate you though because you're making me defend. You're making me defend Bray Wyatt, and we all know how you know I felt about Bray Wyatt's you know wrestling career. Fiends, so, fingers, you know, there, fingers. There's that. So I really, first number one, I hate that you're making me defend 
I'm not making you do anything. All I'm saying is Come that Ron Breaker like, didn't have to nah, get his ass Nah, you are. You are. You are. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm solid. But nah, that's a different debate. Are. Look, that's a different the, the debate. Fiend, for, uh, nah. the, the Fiend was a... a Oh, no, 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 no. I don't even, even want to get you started. Nah, I don't even want to make you. Nah. I don't even want to get you started because we got too much to talk about. The, I don't fiend, even get you the fiend was an established wrestler, an established high level wrestler that was ready to be put over on that level. We're looking at a Braun Breaker who is a developmental talent on a developmental program. He's lucky to even be in the same ring as a retired legend. Hall of Famer, The Undertaker. The fact that you were right, in right, that right. ring with him, you were chosen. That's all I'm saying. All right, well, I'll, I'll let you have that. I'll let you have the. I'll let you have this round because we got too much to get into. Like uh, my guy Tony Khan, uh, fellas, Tony uh -oh. Khan is on Twitter mm. crashing out right mm. now. <laughs> what is happening? Mm. Why is Tony? <laughs> this pains me. This pains me because I love Tony Khan. I truly love Tony Khan. I feel like Tony Khan is so passionate for towards the wrestling business. I can't I can't hate on someone that, that that's that passionate towards wrestling, but Tony Khan is embarrassing himself right now. He's if you if, if go check your timeline right now. Tony Khan is probably on Twitter arguing with a dude who has a SpongeBob avatar and 12 followers. Tony Khan is embarrassing me so. as an AEW fan. He's embarrassing mm -hmm, himself mm -hmm. and he's embarrassing AEW as a company. But fellas, I got to be honest, this type of behavior from Tony Khan does not surprise me at all. It's not surprising. Tony Khan is the most, the most pacified and privileged professional wrestling promoter we've ever seen. I've never seen someone Talk more pacified it. and enabled in this wrestling community. Like, let's go back to year one. AEW was birthed out of pretty much a necessity because... WWE had hit rock bottom. The product was bad, and we needed something. We needed something new and fresh. And and AEW was born. This alternative company was announced, and we fell in love with its potential. But unfortunately, that potential prevented us from telling the truth about what this company actually was. Year one of AEW was incredible. You'll never hear me say a bad word about year one of AEW. They went head to head with NXT every week, and they was they got them out of here. I think NXT might have only defeated AEW twice in its entire little head-to-head. -head. But during that time, you know what I realized? I realized that wrestling media was misrepresenting what that meant for AEW. Because Dynamite was beating WWE's least-watched show. But wrestling media was perpetuating that as if AEW itself was defeating WWE. AEW's flagship show was defeating WWE's developmental program. But for some reason, wrestling media perpetuated that as if the underdog AEW was defeating WWE as a whole. And that was never the case. But unfortunately, that false sense of reality became Tony Khan's reality. Every single mishap on AEW's part, it was, it was, it was sugar-coated by wrestling media. If AEW's attendance was down, it was, oh, there's a snowstorm in Buffalo. If the ratings were down, oh, the show was preempted on the West Coast. At some point, I had to ask myself, is this all elite wrestling or is this all excuse wrestling? Because it seems like the wrestling media just wants to pacify Tony Khan and give AEW excuse after excuse. Just last week, Dave Meltzer reported that AEW Collision was the number one night or was the number one show on the night 
if you exclude all of college football and a Hallmark movie. What? You basically just said huh. that AEW Collision <laughs> was number one on the night if you exclude literally everything that was ahead of it. How does that make sense? How does that make sense? That's like saying the Miami Heat are the defending NBA champions if you exclude the team that beat them in the finals. That just it, it don't make sense at all. It does not make any type of sense. But this type of enabling, this type of pacifying is what the wrestling community awarded Tony Khan for. So when I see Tony Khan being a sore loser on Twitter and crashing out against guys with SpongeBob avatars, I'm not surprised because this is what we created. This is what we created. We created this. I'm not surprised that this guy is having trouble accepting create, uh, con- constructive criticism when literally the wrestling community shielded him from constructive criticism from day one. So Tony Khan crashing out. I can't be mad at him. This is, the, this is the monster that we created, fellas. So we got to deal with the result. We, we made him think that his product was the hottest product out. And unfortunately, he's, he's melting down because he's realizing that he don't have the hottest promotion out anymore. He don't have the hottest product out. And it's hard for him to accept because he lives in this false sense of reality that we created. Wrestling media created this false sense of reality for Tony Khan. And now he's finding out that that false sense of reality is a false sense of reality. It's not reality. <laughs> hey man, Sylvan was not lying. I'm gonna keep saying this until Tony get a grip. Sylvan said, "I want to say a month ago, this is going to be the worst <laughs> five years of Tony Khan's life. We're just in the first inning. <laughs> we are just in the first inning, man. This guy is crashing out. He's making a fool of himself." But we do, like Juan said, we had to blame wrestling media, man, because Tony wasn't looking at the real. He was looking at, you know, the replicas, so to speak. (laughs) And it's getting to him. (laughs) It's biting him right in the ass, man. And it's kind of sad to see. And I know it's really sad for you, uh, Juan, because, you know, you really love this guy. You know, seeing one of your favorites going out like this, it's just bad. It sucks, man. It sucks. It sucks, but this is this but, is what we created. We did this. We did this. Re- yeah, you know. Look, man. You know, I hate to be right all the time. Oh my god, you love I don't it. like it. <laughs> I don't you. like this. Contrary to popular opinion, I don't like having to hold the vision as much as I have to hold the vision for this wrestling podcast. But it's a responsibility that was entrusted in me by the wrestling gods. To give y'all the real, even when I'm laughed at. But we're seeing it. We're seeing it in real time. Tony Khan is 50 Cent in 2004. Remember when 50 Cent (laughs) made Candy Shop? Yeah, the massacre. Remember when 50 Cent made Candy Shop? Now, I love you, 50. And, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not, look, I ain't, I, you know, hey. All right, I love you. Let's just get that out the way. But when 50 Cent made Candy Shop, he was rewarded. He was rewarded for his efforts. We said we liked that song. We said we want to hear more of that good stuff. And then we got a little bit. And then all of a sudden, we're getting AO technology. Oh. And we're, it's just not, it's not hitting the, 
it's just not hitting it, man. And 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 it's us as as consumers. We don't really know what we want until we want it, right? Like Fifty Cent could have gave us anything else at that time, right? And who's to say that we would have liked it? We he right. just gave us what he thought the market wanted. And so when I look at a Tony Khan, Tony Khan is literally doing his job. He's doing what he thinks the market wants. He's doing what he thinks AEW fans want. The problem is the times, they are a changing. And he refuses to see the light. He does not want to see the light. And the reason he doesn't want to see the light is because at the end of the day, this guy is just doing this as a passion project. He loves wrestling. He really loves wrestling. He He really does. And I have no doubts about it. But he does not want to take any type of criticism. And when you don't want to take any type of criticism, I mean, the thing is, is you get. now he's crashing out on Twitter, crashing out on Twitter, arguing with regular fans. What do you want me to do? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I told you this was going to happen, Tony. I told you this was going to happen. I said it to your face on the podcast as best as I could. I don't know if you really watch us or not. I'm pretty sure you don't. But I said it to you. I said this is going to be the worst five years of your life. And the only reason it's going to be the worst five years of your life is because this is what business is. The first five years are always the easiest, most, you know, everything is great, la, 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 startup business. And then after that, you right. start realizing what's really going on. And you realize what's really going on. So mm. the thing is, we enabled this, Mm-mm. man. We enabled this. When, when you look at wrestling media and the way that they pacify Tony Khan, we enabled this type of behavior. Like I was, I was looking at um, Dave Meltzer's Twitter like two days ago. Dave Meltzer tweeted that if you remove Becky Lynch, The Undertaker, Cody Rhodes, John Cena from that NXT show, then AEW would have defeated NXT on its own night. Let's really look oh at what he's God. saying. He's literally saying if you take away all the reasons that NXT won the night, then NXT would have lost the night to AEW. Do you realize how ridiculous that sounds? That's like saying, you know what AEW fans are? AEW fans are like an NBA team that only expects to play against other teams' bench players. And when the other team plays their starters, you get mad. We only want to play against the Clippers when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are load managing. But when Paul Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are in the lineup, all of a sudden we're saying that it's foul and it's not fair. That's what AEW fans are because that's what wrestling media encourages. When when Dave Meltzer is saying that NXT would have lost to AEW had it not been for every single reason NXT won, we're not playing a fair game at that point. You're pacifying this man instead of just keeping it a buck and telling it like it is. Just be honest. And the thing is, AEW should be proud to even be in a competitive space with WWE. Like There should not be a meltdown of this nature just because you lost a night to the to competition. Like you should have never expected to defeat a show like that. So what are we even talking about? Why are we here? Tony Khan, please, please figure your shit out, man. Cause you embarrassing me as an AEW fan from day one, as a person that enjoyed your show more than NXT show on Tuesday, just stop, just stop. Mind your, mind your business, attend to your business. Leave WWE alone. Stop thinking about WWE. Stop getting worked up over guys with 12 followers in <laughs> anime avatars. 
you don't have to go back and forth with dudes who got anime avatars and 12 followers. It makes no sense. You are a billionaire leading one of the most incredible companies in the world, the number two company in the U.S., one of the biggest wrestling promotions that we've ever seen. Be proud of that. You don't have to go back and forth with Twitter trolls because you're upset that your, your show lost on a Tuesday to All-Stars. You lost to John Cena. It's okay. Who's not losing to John Cena? It's John Cena. Tony Khan, please relax, my brother. And I hate to do this to you because I love you. I truly do love Tony Khan. Tony Khan is one of my favorite promoters. I feel like Tony Khan is so passionate about wrestling. It reminds me of myself because I'm passionate about wrestling. <laughs> so the fact that you're crashing out like this is embarrassing to me. It makes me not want to watch your show anymore just to stick it to you because you seem like a goof right now. You look like a goddamn goof. You make me look bad for rooting for you. It's because he is a goof. I'm, I'm sorry, Quan. He, he is a goof. You know what, Tony? Tony, uh, if you li listen to me, listen to me, Tony. You know because I don't like you, Tony, and that and you should always listen to your enemies. I'm not an enemy. Uh, we don't have any real beef or anything. It's not a big deal. But <laughs> you know, when it comes to down to down to real life, your enemies are your best friends. They're gonna tell you the truth. Now, I'm not an enemy. I'd like to be called your best friend right now because I'm gonna give you the real game. You need to go back to the drawing board. The problem right now with you, Tony, and the problem with AEW is you guys don't have a real identity. You think you do. You think that AEW has a soul and a product. The reality is you don't. You base your product off of being better than WWE. I'm sorry. It just is what it is. It's and fact. it's the reason why you guys keep signing all of the talent that WWE lets go or the talent that WWE um, decides that they don't want to deal with anymore or the talent that walks away from WWE is because you inside your soul, you want to compete when in reality, you shouldn't be competing. You should be working on what your identity is as a company. There's a reason why TNA is heralded as TNA when they had their boom periods. The reason why New Japan Pro Wrestling is what New Japan Pro Wrestling is. All elite wrestling is a top tier company with top tier talent without an identity. You need to go back to the drawing board because the whole WWW, the whole WWE isn't as good as our company angle. It's over. That time is past. Hunter is here. Vince isn't running creative anymore. The matches are better. The angles are better. The product is hotter than it's ever been. And that's something you're going to have to sit with and eat. Now, instead of trying to go toe-to-toe -to -toe and make up excuses and pacify yourself as a billionaire with a passion project, project, you should go back to the drawing board, be humble yourself to have enough criticism, get rid of your EVPs. I'm saying it. I'm sorry. Wrestler, your wrestlers as happening. EVPs? It's not happening. I'm sorry. I, look, I love, I love Hangman. I love, I love the the Elite. I love, um, I love uh, Kenny Omega. I think they're incredible wrestlers. The problem is that you're entrusting wrestlers to lead you guys to the promised land when you need an unbiased opinion about how wrestling booking goes, not a, not a hey, this is how we like to do things notion. There's a lot of people in this company that count counts on you. At the end of the day, Tony Khan, if you decide you don't want to do this anymore, you're good. If this doesn't work out, yeah. you're good. The rest of these guys got to figure it out.
And yeah. you got to start thinking about out. You got to start thinking about things outside of yourself. Listen to me, Tony. Listen to me. I'm going to give you the game. But if you don't want to listen, you can just keep crashing out on Twitter and we can keep, you know, seeing all of your AEW stands start to turn on you because it's looking sticky out here, baby. It's, it's you got happening. Five right more now. years, baby. It's happening right now. Five. The crash out is insane, man. He can't, you know, his criticism, the way he's taking his criticism is just like how Drake. I knew you was going to say it. it. I knew it. I, I know you said it. Say that. I love I you, Drake. said it. I love you. I stand Sylvan, Sylvan loves Drake. I really do. I'm neutral. He's taking his criticism the same way Drake is taking his criticism from Joe Budden, man. It's the same. It's parallel. It's clear as day. They just can't take the truth, you know? And this crash out is literally is a reflection of that. And it's disgusting. It's embarrassing, actually. And when your AEW stands are on Twitter tweeting paragraphs about you, <laughs> nasty work. Nasty Bro. work, Tony. Yikes. Look at me. I'm Yikes. an AEW fan. I love Tony Khan. I love AEW. Yeah, and I real. still think AEW had the better show last Tuesday. Like the wrestling on AEW was incredible. They did. That's. That Swerve sure. versus Brian Danielson match <laughs> was the best match of the night. And also that Hangman match, that, that was fire. Orange Cassidy won his mm-hmm. title back. Like, I loved all of it. But, bro, Tony Khan. Tony Khan. And we can't, like I said, we can't blame him. We can't blame him. This is the type of behavior that we encourage when we shield this man from all criticism for five years. And now that he's getting hit with the criticism, he can't take it. He don't know how to take it. Because we haven't taught him how to take it. Because we've made excuses for him every step of the way. When wrestling media is tweeting out, oh, AEW's ratings are down this week, but there was a snowstorm in Buffalo that might have affected it. Meanwhile, when WWE's ratings are down, it's just, oh, WWE's ratings are down. We don't, we don't, we don't precursor precursor that with with oh, Monday Night Football had 28 million people watching or anything like that. But when it's AEW, all of a sudden we come with excuse after excuse. This is the type of behavior we're going to get. They don't know how to handle the criticism because they've never had to handle the criticism. It's just what it is. First they love you, then they hate you, then they love you again. <laughs> yeah, man. Big for everything. Tony Khan is Richie Rich in 1994. <laughs> This man said Tony Khan is Richie Rich. But listen, shout out to Tony Khan. Like I said, AW did have the better show. To me. To me. To me. They did. But they did. I do want to hear that. from our I do want to hear from our subscribers. I want to know from how do y'all feel about Tony Khan's current situation, his current meltdown on Twitter. Is it justified? Is he just playing around? Is this this is he just trying to get attention for his product? Or are you like me and my two brothers and you feel like this is a bad look? Because it truly is but let us know something down below please and if you haven't already subscribe to the channel so you can watch us industry plants <laughs> get, get our rocks off every week <laughs> <laughs> now coolie uh, it's not funny anymore try different jokes what's good coolie my brother let us know what's, what's going on in the world of wrestling take us on this journey take us on this run down oh, my partner we got to we got a never, we got a never ending story, never ending, mm-hmm. journey, you know. So let's take it. Let's talk about this deal, man. That uh, I heard circulating in the news this week um, is Endeavor and TKO CEO Ari Emanuel 
has revealed that WWE is open to moving Raw to a new night in its TV deal. Now, deep down in my soul, deep down, I pray that this is not true. You cannot ruin Monday Night Raw. Like, it's called Monday Night Raw. I don't want to <laughs> see this show on another night, man. This is just so nostalgic for me, man. It goes back since I was a kid. You know, when football is over on Sunday, the next day we have we have Monday Night Raw. Why would you move it? That's just me. I don't want to see Raw on another night. Keep it on Monday. I'll tell you why we'll move it. I'll tell you why we move it. We move Raw because nah, Raw man. is getting smacked by Monday Night Football for six months out the year. <laughs> like, at this point... I don't even watch Raw live because I'm watching football most Monday nights. So it would definitely benefit WWE to move Raw off Mondays and not go head-to-head with football. You know what WWE should do? How about we move Monday Night Raw to Wednesdays? Oh, wait. That's right. There is another show on Wednesdays called AW Dynamite. Well, how about WWE goes head-to-head with Wednesday Night Dynamite? Since Tony Khan wants a war so bad, how about WWE brings the war to him? Let's get Raw versus Dynamite every Wednesday. I'm all for it. If we get away from football, I'm all for it. He, he's really going to crash out. I've always said that WWE and AEW should just air on the same days. I've always said it. I think it's just great for switching over. Like I could be watching Raw and be like, eh, I don't want to watch uh, such and such versus such and such and flip right over to AEW. That's a big part of the reason why you go head to head. Um I honestly would like to see. I know I'm crazy, but Raw on Thursdays would be tight. Huh? Keep 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 SmackDown. Keep SmackDown on Friday. We get both of our wrestling events out of the way, and we have a breather. I'm sorry. That's All a, this, that's a bro, long wait, bro. There's so much wrestling every week. I gotta do <laughs> Monday Night Raw. I gotta do NXT on Tuesdays. I gotta do AEW on Wednesdays. You know what I'm saying? Thursday, I get a little bit of a break. Then it's right back to it on Friday with Friday Night Smackdown. Then I got Saturday Collision. Then nah, I got Sunday man, a little bit nah. of break. It's like a full-time job, bro. Nah, I never. I am not sleeping. Just let, Let's not just let's shorten the gap. I need some time. I think Thursday the point, be high. Remember with Thursday Smackdowns on Thursdays? Of, that was high. But I think the point of moving off Mondays is to get away from football. So you can't move to another day that has football. <laughs> like I don't oh, want yeah, I don't real. want to go yeah, against Thursday real. night football. Let's just get a day where there's no NFL. Because NFL is killing. NFL yeah, is the only real. thing on TV yeah. that's audience is growing still. Like these Monday night games are doing Super Bowl numbers because Taylor Swift. So like <laughs> let's get away from football, please. Ah, oh, brother. Oh, brother. I mean, I mean, put maybe Tuesdays. Put them on Tuesdays, and then take NXT and put them somewhere else. Put them on Wednesdays. Yeah, <laughs> head to head. It's fun when it's like a war, that. man. It's it's fun when it's a war. I like that. <laughs> so I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not really sure when this deal is like set in stone. You guys know? I have no uh, idea. I think so it's I like- mean. 2024, like mid 2024. They're still looking well, we'll for a TV see. deal for um, NXT. Yeah, for NXT. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Now, to get up off that, let's talk about some Chicago Make Punk because the saga continues, baby. Dave Meltzer mm. is reporting that, yeah, he's reporting that there's some talks between Punk and WWE. But on the other hand, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful is reporting. The complete opposite that there isn't any talk. So, what's going on? I believe it's a ploy. I think he's literally, (laughs) 
returning in Chicago at Survivor Series. That's just me. That's just me. I've been said it, but that's just me. It's not happening, fellas. I hate to say it because I love CM Punk and I want it to happen so bad. Like, I really, really deep down in my soul want to see CM Punk back in WWE. If not for anything, just for Tony Khan's reaction. Because I think if, if you think Tony Khan is crashing out now because NXT defeated Dynamite on Tuesday, just wait till he crashes out when CM Punk pops up in WWE. But I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I honestly. What? As much as I want to deny Sean Ross Sapp and some of the things he says, he's kind of batting a hundred. Like Sean Ross Sapp never gets this stuff wrong. So anything that Sean Ross Sapp says, I'm kind of running with that. So I don't think CM Punk is popping up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you know, Sean Ross Sapp. Sean Ross Sapp is pretty accurate on a lot of his news. I'm not going to say he bats at 100. He's probably like at a 97, maybe 96, 97. Um, he's been wrong, but very few. With that being said, I do not deny Sean Ross Sapp's sources. I believe he has some pretty reputable sources, and he has some reputable sources that have confirmed to him that WWE is not in talks with signings of CM Punk. Sheesh. I believe that absolutely happened. I believe that that is the truth. That doesn't mean that that's what's really happening, though. I believe that his sources are feeding him a ploy because for some reason, WWE thought it was cool to drop hint after hint after hint for two months and realize that the wrestling world, not the IWC, because it's a big difference. The wrestling world was starting to catch wind. Now, the IWC is its own thing for the casual for the casual listener of this podcast or for anyone, the casual watcher of wrestling that's watching this podcast, if you are out there, let me break this down. The IWC is the wrestling fans who are on the, who are on the internet who are trying to stay tapped in with everything that's going on at all given times. So nine times out of ten, if you're watching this, you are an IWC fan. But if you're not, if you just watch the program and you just for some reason like us, then you don't know anything about nothing when it comes down to CM Punk doing anything the problem is that nine times out of ten right now a big part of the non-iwc the casual wrestling fan is starting to hear murmurs that cm punk is returning because cm punk is a big deal and cm punk is a big deal to wwe so in my mind wwe is saying we got to do something quick we got to go to a reliable source sean ross sap and tell them what's really going on quote unquote this still isn't happening. We've been hearing the murmurs that people are talking about it. But we know that this deal is happening. We know it's happening because you guys did the same thing with Cody Rhodes. The exact same thing with Cody Rhodes, except the general wrestling, the general wrestling fan knew nothing because mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes is a big deal. But he's not as big of a deal as CM Punk back then. Back in 2021, it was CM Punk. You know, Cody Rhodes is now a bigger deal because he's with WWE. But y'all are starting to realize that you know, it ain't just the IWC that's expecting this. And y'all trying to draw back. And we get it. And I'm here for the ploy, baby. But we'll be seeing you on Survivor Series. And if not Survivor Series, we'll be seeing you at the Royal Rumble. It just, it just is what it is. November, November 25th, baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We're going to see. Now, mm-hmm. speaking of November 25th. 
War Games reportedly returning this year at Survivor Series. Now, are we okay with War Games replacing the traditional Survivor Series match going forward? Me personally, I think it's cool. I like it. Um, last year was the most grossing all-time Survivor Series with the War Games, so why not do it again? You know, um, it's a fun match. Uh, more wrestlers. I like it. I like the idea. So I'm down for it for sure. I'm not mad at it replacing the traditional um, Survivor Series match, but I do wish that we could get both. Like, can we get the traditional? Was it five on five match and the War Games? Like, does it have to be one or the other? Like, why does it have to replace it? Like, I I'm, I know I'm I hate I hate to be the nostalgia guy because I hate nostalgia, but I do remember growing up and watching those Survivor Series matches. So, like, I don't want to just replace yeah. that with War Games. And also, I feel like War Games is kind of oversaturated. Like, AEW does its own version of War Games with blood and guts. And then we have two War Game matches on the War Games pay-per-view because there's the women's side and the men's side. And it's like, okay, this double ring thing is a cool little gimmick, but we doing it to death. Let's get back to the basics, baby. Let's get back to the old school. Let's do the old school Survivor Series elimination style match. I love the drama at the end of those matches. Quan talking about old school. Whoa. I know. That's crazy, man. Um. I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I don't care for those five on five matches at Survivor Series. Let's just keep it a bean. Like I, I've never been like, oh my god, I'm so excited for Raw's top five and SmackDown's top five to be for four weeks and then act like nothing happened. Like that's just <laughs> never been appealing to me. Like it's never been appealing to me. Like to me hey, personally, I get the nostalgia. Those was alright though. Like a couple times when like I'm not Raw saying they were bad. SmackDown, I remember Big E and Kofi was like whooping ass <laughs> in the audience. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like I'm, I was down. Yeah, it's a cool moment, especially when Raw and SmackDown were actually separate brands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, because Lord knows, but, like, but yeah, Lord knows, like that's not the case. Um, but I mean, like, look, I'm okay with War Games replacing it. I think War Games is far more interesting. I definitely see your point, Quan. Uh, war games in general in the wrestling space is oversaturated, but I can't sit here in front like last year's war games wasn't some of the like best wrestling I've seen in a long time, and with some of the best moments, I mean, Sami Zayn like literally buying into the bloodline and us like that watching fire. that in real time with some of the best wrestling TV. Seeing him unite with Jay Uso, bro, I still rem- I still see that as the peak of the bloodline story arc. And the fact that they're continuing that this year, I, I think that's brilliant. I think they should completely uh, scrap it, um, scrap the original way and uh, try something new. So I'm for it. Evolution, baby. I'm down for war games. I'm down for war games. Now, Sylvan said Bloodline. Let's talk about Bloodline for a little bit. Um, we all saw Fastlane on Saturday, did we? Well, I didn't. I missed it. I had to watch it on Sunday. But did you guys see Fastlane? I saw it. Yep. Ah, interesting. So, um, did Cody Rose finish the story, or uh, I, I mean, I don't know because I guess he's a world champion. Nah, 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 nah. He's a tag team champion <laughs> with Jay Uso. Uh, what is going on here? <laughs> don't get me wrong; they're hilarious together. Jay Uso, that post press conference was hilarious. Yeet! Yeet. Hilarious, you know what I'm saying? It was hilarious. Yeet. Yeah, that was hilarious. But <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on, y'all. But I mean, mm. I'm for it. But it's, it's, I don't know what's going on. It's funny. Well, so you see the vision. 
You see the vision, Quan? <laughs> I see the vision. So obviously, break it down. This is this is a part of a larger story. Fans are not realizing that this is a part of a larger mm. story because who returns tonight? Mm. Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns' biggest op, Roman Reigns. Cody Rhodes, is tag team champions. Cody Rhodes, his other biggest op slash cousin. Jay Uso, I see the vision. I see the vision. Mm. Now, the thing about Cody Rhodes fans who cry about this finishing the story, and you know what they are? They're the Zack Snyder fans of WWE. Because remember when DC had the Snyderverse and they dropped the Snyder Cut, and the Snyder Cut of Justice League was fire. We all loved it. But WWE, I'm sorry, not WWE, but fire. Warner Brothers had no intentions on continuing the Snyderverse when they dropped that movie. So it was a mistake because it fired everyone up. And now they're not getting the Snyderverse. And every time DC drops a new movie, they watch it under a microscope and they criticize it because it's not the Snyderverse that they wanted. And that's what Cody Rhodes fans are. Cody Rhodes fans, yeah. they wanted Cody Rhodes to be champion so bad. And WWE teased us. They gave Cody Rhodes the Royal Rumble. And we truly believed that Cody Rhodes was going to move on to WrestleMania and win that title. But WWE had no intentions on giving Cody Rhodes that title. And because of that, his fans can't accept it. They can't accept it. So they watch WWE with a microscope. They watch Cody Rhodes with a microscope. And everything that he does that's not that WWE title, they criticize it. But if you like us, brothers, you see the vision. I see where they're going with this. Just be patient. It's clearly leading to Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. Just, just wait. Just calm down. Breathe. Relax. It's coming. It's coming. I promise you. And pause that is coming. Yeah, pause. Super pause. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. To build, to build, and I and I just want to just let y'all know this is a very rare moment where Quan and I are aligned. Very rare. Very rare moment. So to build on my black brother's point, do you know what it's gonna feel like to see Cody Rhodes have a brotherly bond with Jay Uso <laughs> to be giving him game? To be giving, be treating him like the real tribal chief would treat someone. To Ooh. be his friend. Do you know what that's gonna do to Roman, bro? And Roman is left with Jimmy, who's a mess up, who just just does stuff. Charismatic. First off, yo. First off, let me let me let yo. me stop real quick. Jimmy Uso is doing some of the best work, bro. <laughs> bro, Jim, Jimmy, yo. Jimmy is cold, bro. You, Jimmy, you are great, dog. You are incredible. <laughs> you are a main eventer. You and your brother are main Facts. eventers, dog. I love the work you're doing, Jimmy. It's ten out of ten, dog. You are built. You are. I, I, I almost gave up. I had faith. I was losing sight, but now I see. But do you know what that's gonna do to Roman and how Roman is gonna treat Jimmy and how Jimmy, how that's gonna fuel Jimmy's jealousy of Jay? Bro, it's just cinema. I, bro, mm. I, I couldn't. I didn't see the vision, Hunter. Hunter, wow, wow, wow. Third inning, third inning still. Third inning. I, I see it, Paul. Third inning. Yeah. Third inning for he real. Dang, I was it. wrong. <laughs> he said it, Woo. man. It's crazy, man. You gotta well, let it play out. I can't baby. wait for let that. It play you know, unravel. Yeah, let it play out. Yeah. Four words. Shout out to um to Jay and Cody, man. They doing they doing their thing. Let's talk about Drew McIntyre now. You know, um, apparently he's next in line to challenge for Seth Rollins' world title. Our guy Finn fell, Nakamura fell. Do you guys think that it's time for Drew to the throne, uh, Seth? 
I don't think so. No. No. Easy answer. I don't, I don't, I don't have a long so. <laughs> I don't have a long-winded answer for y'all. The answer is just no. no. I don't want to see Drew McIntyre with no. that title. He probably deserves it because you know, Drew McIntyre definitely held it down during the pandemic era when there was no audiences and a lot of people didn't want to come to work. So shout out to Drew McIntyre for that. And I'm sure if he's rewarded for it, people will applaud that. But it's not what I want to see. I definitely wanted to see Nakamura with that title. But now that we've moved on from that, I don't think Drew McIntyre is the right one to defeat Seth Rollins. We all know who the right one is. And his name is Chicago made punk. Let's just be honest. But that's fantasy booking. It's not happening. I'm still salty. Finn never won, so that's just me. But hey, I still think Finn's gonna win it. Um, I hope so. But that's just me. I think Finn's gonna win. I think Finn's gonna win it. I think somehow that briefcase is gonna be cra- cashed in by Finn. But that's mm-hmm. just me. That's just in my gut. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think that. I don't think that. Um, Drew is gonna win at Crown Jewel because Crown Jewel is just such a kind of not a filler pay-per-view but it is very much not a it's it's like a it's like a filler staple like the lower tier cards like the lower tier you can start seeing like a lot of the title switches but you're not going to see any main titles uh, switching i don't around. know because seth rollins won that world championship at crown, crown jewel, jewel. Oh. dang you know what you're right you're not even lying mm. that's true but that was also different though nobody had that title yeah so somebody got to get crowned so, I mean, but you're not going to see any title switches, though. I, at least I don't think I'm going to see any title switches. Do I think Drew deserves to win it, though? Um, look, yes. Uh, and I'm going to. Uh, here's why. Because at the end of the day, I'm seeing what's happening with Drew and Drew's about to turn heel. And I'm super glad because Drew as a heel is very, very good. We haven't gotten that because he's super over. Like Drew is over as a baby face and it's incredible to see he's he's just always going to be over people are going to always cheer him but his true brilliance and genius in my opinion is is heel work and um i think he deserves to win the championship just as a heel um just as much as i thought that nakamura deserved to win the championship as a heel i think i still think that i think um i mean i don't know where they're going with seth at this point i think seth is having a great reign uh but you know i want to see this championship passed around um, I don't want a long reign with this one. We we already had we already have the the universal title with the long reign. Let's leave that to that. Right. Let's go, fam. Get that belt back, baby. You know. Shout out to Drew though, man. Shout out to Drew. Now, a minute ago you guys were just saying that there's so much wrestling throughout the week. Guess what? Bill Corrigan says NWA. <sighs> has signed a TV deal with a top TV network. Is there any more room for wrestling throughout the week, you guys? Because they coming. They're coming. I mean, and which day I would do you think never, it would be on? Hmm. I don't know. The day, I don't know. But I would never say that it's too much wrestling on TV because, you know, I, as, as much as I, I love wrestling. I love wrestling. So more wrestling is a win to me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can watch all of it because we already watch six shows a week. Plus the pay-per-views and the premium live events from WWE. It's like, do I really want to watch another show? Like, and, and shout out to NWA. I guess they're doing their thing over there. I haven't really paid much attention because Tyrus's world championship run was, was, it was awful. I'm not a Tyrus guy. I'm sorry, but I'm just absolutely not a Tyrus guy. But, um, you know, NWA is NWA. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of WWE guys like LA Knight, 
they were over in NWA like a couple years ago. Chelsea Green, mm-hmm. these are people who were over in NWA doing their thing. So shout out to NWA, but mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't say that I will pay attention when y'all TV show is on. I'm sorry, but it's 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 a lot of wrestling right now, and you know, I got stuff to do. I'm a grown man. I work full time. And I watch football and basketball. Like the, the NBA season is about yeah. to start. I can't be watching wrestling every single day. Come on now. Look, man, the thing that makes wrestling so interesting is the fact that the wrestling that is on TV is 365, 24-7. There is no season. It's just on. You tap in, you watch it. It's not like the NFL. It's not like the NBA season. It's not yeah. like NBL, hockey, any other sport has a season and then it goes away for a few months and then they have their pre their pregames and then they have their official games and their series finals. It's a thing. I think NWA can add to the wrestling space by having a weekly television segment. But what I would need NWA to do is to figure out how they're going to stand apart from everyone else that's having weekly television right now. Cause there's a lot of TV. It's a lot of wrestling. Television. A lot. So find a way to make your product hot, stand apart and do the best you can. I mean, I can't guarantee that I'm going to tap in immediately right now. Cause it's a lot. I got to tap into every, every week I'm watching five wrestling shows a week, bro. It's a lot of wrestling. So sometimes more than the best. But watching, yeah, we watching a lot of shows, man. You know what I would be down for though? I would be down for a more cinematic type of wrestling promotion. Like, remember what Lucha Underground was when, like, the matches and everything was kind of shot in a cinematic way, to where it was like a movie or like a like a TV series. I would be down for that because it would be so different than what we see through, like, from AEW and WWE. But if NWA is just gonna go the typical WWE AEW route, where it's just traditional wrestling shot in a traditional way, I don't, I don't think that there's much people that's gonna tune into that just because there's so much going on. Like, isn't yeah. Women of Wrestling on TV now too? Like, wow, Women of Wrestling. I think that's on TV now. Yeah, too. W- like, uh, w- it's, w- it's too much wrestling, man. Hey, it's, it's dope. Like, I actually checked it out. Yeah, it's, it's it is super dope. Like, it's a lot of dope women athletes over there, but. It's a lot of wrestling on TV, yeah. man. The more the merrier, but I can't guarantee that we're going to watch all of it because our our plates are full of food already. Yeah. You can't keep putting food on our plate. <laughs> Let me finish what's on my plate first before you give me more. Yeah. Yeah. Facts. Big facts. And there you have it. That's all I got for the rundown, fellas. Whew, well, Cooley, we always appreciate you for that rundown. Now, fellas, this, is, this would usually be the part of the show where we would, you know, give our favorite black wrestler of the week. We try to p- give our flowers to black wrestlers on this podcast, both past and present, because, you know, somebody got to. But this week, we all agreed that it would be Big E. The occasion calls for it. Big E was on, a, on our podcast. He did an interview with us because, you know, we industry plants. So shout out to Big E. You are our black wrestler of the week. You are incredible. <laughs> and we e. love you, my brother. Now. Once we get that out the way, you know what time it is. It's time to pack them up. Pack them up awards where we give out awards to the most infamous things in wrestling for the week. And this week, I don't know who y'all fellas want to pack up, but I got to go with my heart. I got to pack up Tony Khan. I, I just I have to. Mm-hmm. The fact that he went on. I think Twitter, we all agree on that. 
<laughs> we got to agree. We have to agree. It has to be Tony Khan. The man went on Twitter. Yeah. Called Triple H and HBK some bald assholes. And then he tweeted out Jesus. that John Cena and Undertaker couldn't get a million watchers or a million viewers on the show for the first time in two decades. It's like Tony Khan. Your show did 600,000 viewers. Just be happy with that, man. 600,000 against John Cena and The Undertaker and Paul Han- That's huge, bro. Be happy about that. You don't have to crash out on Twitter and yell at people. You don't have to go crazy on Twitter, Tony Khan. I'm sorry, man. I, you know I love you. This is this is coming from the heart. This ain't just me trolling for the podcast. Tony Khan. Tony Khan. I love you, bro. I love you. I love what you're doing for the wrestling community. I love what you're doing for the wrestling industry. And I love what you're doing with AEW. <laughs> I'm about to say AWA. I love what you're doing with AEW. But fella, my guy, my pal, my buddy, please get some help. Log off Twitter. Log out right now. Click on the little settings button. Scroll down to where it says like the privacy settings. Scroll past all that. Click on log out and log off Twitter because you're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing AEW and you're embarrassing me. Yeah, we packing you up, man. We packing look, you up, all um, three of us, bro. Look, man. Um, look, Tony. Tony. You know, look. <laughs> I'm gonna. Why are you gonna, say his name like I'm that, bro? Be very <laughs> honest with you. You know what I'm saying? Tony, my guy. <laughs> Come on, man. Look, Tony, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. And I've I've been honest with you for the past few years. I mean, few episodes, man. Like, you're the son of a billionaire, you know? You're not really built like that, bro. You know, the, the, the difference between you and the other guy across the hall is that he had to make himself a billionaire. You know, you, you just decided that this is a good idea for you to do. And you're not really built like that, man. You know, you you sensitive, man. You got to decide if this is a passion project or if you really want to win. Sorry. That's how it goes, mm-hmm. man. Is this just a passion project for you? Is this just something that you like to do because you're really passionate about it? Or do you really want to win? And if you really want to win, you let all this WWE tribalism go. Because quite honestly, you're perpetuating this narrative. You're the one who's out here leading the pack of the tribalists who think that this rhetoric of you versus WWE is appropriate for culture. And it's not. It's actually pretty sad. You know, I feel like, honestly, wrestling companies would get ahead a lot quicker if they actually decided they wanted to do business with WWE. But that's neither here nor there. That's not my decision. I'm not a booker. I don't know what that looks like. So the fact that you're not choosing that shows to me that there's a part of you that wants to win, but to bro- but to quote my brother Fonte, do you really want to win, or do you just want to look good losing? You sit with that. Wow. You getting packed up today? You getting packed up, man? Grow up, man. I just think that wrestling promoters need to realize that. I don't know how it was back in the day, but today, it's not a smart business strategy to tell people that the product that they're watching is actually trash and to come fuck with yours. Because what you're doing when you do that is insulting me. You're insulting my intelligence for liking a product over here. That's not going to make me go towards your product. That's going to make me reject your product. Tony Khan, this type of behavior is turning off potential fans. Because it's not a us versus them. As much as you want it to be us versus them, this side versus that side, a lot of us want to watch WWE and AEW. 
We don't want to choose. So when you put out this type of behavior into the world, what you're doing is pushing certain people away and making them stay over there because you're you're questioning their intelligence for being loyal to that product instead of just saying, hey, we want to welcome you guys in, too. So change your business model, bro. It's not 1996. This is not WCW versus WWF. This is an entirely different climate. And as much as you want to bring up Pepsi versus Coke, because you always bring that up, I always see you bring up McDonald's versus Burger King. This ain't that. This ain't that. So let that go. Focus on your product. Be the alternative that you always wanted to be. And let's get it rocking, man. Stop talking. Like, let's, let's just ignore WWE. Tony Khan, man. For the... For the rest of your run, just let's, let's just ignore WWE. Let's pretend that a- WWE doesn't exist and just rock out with what we're doing over here in AEW. How about that? Tony, you're 41 years old, bro. You can't go and turn into Twitter fingers acting like you're 13 years old, throwing temper tantrums. Like, it's an embarrassment, bro. Like, it's huh. dweeb behavior commenting on another man's appearance because you lost... <laughs> In ratings, like what? Y'all here acting like Meek Mill, bro. Like, bro. Tony Khan yeah. is acting like Meek Mill. This is Meek Meek Khan. Jesus, I'm gonna start calling him that. This is Meek Khan. Come on, Meek Mill. I mean, <laughs> Meek Khan. Come on, Tony Mill. Tony Mills, <laughs> stop, stop, my brother. What are you doing? What are you doing? But, fellas, five years, five fellas. years, <laughs> five years. But fellas, before we get out of here, man, I just want to say. Big E, we truly, 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 truly appreciate you for appearing on our podcast and getting these rock songs yes. with us. That yeah, was huge. Man. That was big. That was so much yeah. love. We truly appreciate it. We're going to have Big E on whenever he wants to come because this is this is your home now, man. This, the door is always open for you to come in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Until next time, fellas, this is Wrestling with the Homies, and we out of here. And make sure you subscribe, man. If you ain't subscribed yet, what are you doing? You see, we got Big E on the podcast. You You still ain't subscribed? Are you losing your mind? Look, bro. What is you doing? Go scroll down. You see see the subscribe button? Click that right now. Click it. Or you're going to get packed up next episode. This is Wrestling with the Homies. We out of here.